Hey there, good evening everybody, welcome. This is Corey Olson, the Tolkien Professor, uh, and I am welcome. I should say, to another episode of Exploring the Lord of the Rings. Uh, so this is session number 62, as we prepare to begin chapter 11 tonight. Very good. We've gotten through 10 chapters in our first 61 sessions. Uh, so that's all That's all very good. Um, thanks for joining me. We're on the Crick Hollow server here tonight uh, in Lotro. We'll be doing a field trip today. In fact, tonight we're going to do a special field trip, but we'll get to that later. Um, but first, we're going to talk about chapter 11. But first, um, uh, actually, I don't have that many announcements today. Um, but I did see that uh, uh, some of you guys in the uh, Discord channel were talking about uh, Mythmoot stuff. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. Uh, I saw somebody talking about the pub trivia, which is really fun. Uh, and don't be intimidated because, of course, it's pub trivia. So you get to work in teams uh, and, uh, you know, there will be lots of people who are... Um, uh, we'll be able to help you out. You'll be able to collaborate with folks uh, and uh, do pretty well at trivia. I remember pub trivia from two years ago. Uh, <laughs> I think my favorite question from pub trivia two years ago uh, was um, uh, was teams challenged to come up with as many names of Turin Turin Bar as they could. <laughs> it was pretty good. Uh, I forget how many the winning, the uh, highest scoring team uh, ended up getting on that, but that was pretty good. And I also remember from three years ago at our pub trivia contest when I was actually teamed, uh, it was me and Chris Pearson from Lotro. Uh, and <laughs> like even he and I were kind of stumped when we were given a blank map of Numenor and asked to fill it out. That one was hardcore. But that was when Dave Kale was running to pub trivia. And we were like, Dave, what are you thinking? Um, anyway, it was um, it, it was a lot of fun. So pub trivia is a great opportunity. And the and the the costume ball, I have to admit, the, uh, the the masquerade ball. I'm still working on my costume for the masquerade ball this year. I went as Boethius last year, which was fun. Um but I, you know, I'm thinking about doing something a little different this year. Not quite sure exactly what and how that's going to work, but uh, but we'll see. We'll see uh, uh, where it, I'm sure uh, that uh, my helpers and I will come up with some. Uh, um, uh, we'll, we'll come up with some uh, um, uh, some some ideas for that. Yeah, you're right, Tom. Dave was nearly lynched both for the map. Oh yeah. And the genealogy. Yeah. He had, he had Hobbit genealogies from the back with some of the names blanked out and you had to fill in the blank names in the Hobbit genealogy. But I have to actually say Chris Pearson rocked that one. Cause he was like, yeah, we used like every single name <laughs> practically in these genealogies, uh, in the game. So, um, Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. so that is who I was last year. I was Boethius. In my, it was more obvious at the beginning when I came into the ball and I had my hands tied up, so I was obviously a prisoner. That kind of gave it away. But of course, as we proceeded uh, with the dancing, I, I, had to, I had to take my... Uh, I, I, did, I did, you know, release myself from bondage so that I could, I could actually participate in, uh, you know, Foxtrot and that kind of thing. So... Um, uh, are there any guidelines for the costumes? That's kind of a loaded and potentially dangerous question. Um, I'm sure there are. <laughs> I don't know them off the top of my head. Um, uh, it's a family show, but uh, apart from that, um, I'm uh, uh, I'm not really sure. Um, but uh, <laughs> Tom says I should go as the Lotro chicken. <laughs> that would be good. Um, so... Um, Oh, so Lady 
she might be like, which uh, Mythmoot is this? The Mythmoot that I was talking where I was uh, with Chris Pearson in the pub trivia was uh, Mythmoot 3, I believe that one was. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, that was, uh, that was, that, that was a while back. So yeah. Uh, so Sharon, yeah. Just family friendly is, is the only major guideline for, 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 for costumes. Yeah. Uh, there's no specific theme. I mean, of course, obviously there's sort of a, a, uh, um, uh, predominance of fantasy and science fiction themes, uh, uh, both of them, but, um, yeah, <laughs> Oakwick says I should go as Lady Philosophy this year. Yeah. Yeah, it would be, that would be good. Yeah, we'll see. Um, um, but yeah, Valori is pointing out, yeah, there's, uh, uh, they're doing, uh, they're doing an awesome, uh, one of the cool rooms at, uh, Mythmoot this year, uh, is called the Room of Requirement. Uh, and there's going to be, there's going to be, you know, uh, like gaming and activities and there's going to be video and tabletop gaming. It's just like a really cool room, uh, to go and hang out in and, uh, spend some time, get to meet people and, uh, and, uh, do awesome stuff. I am really looking forward to doing, I'm pretty sure. Um, we're going to be able to get some, uh, tabletop stuff going, which I think would be really fun. Um, so, uh, so we'll see, we'll see, I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, see what we can do there. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so it was very, um, um, uh, it, it, it's so much fun last year. Really looking forward to, uh, uh, myth mood again this year. Um, but, um. Uh, yeah, Tarloni out Foxtrot. One of my favorite memories of Mythmoot last year was doing the Foxtrot with Verlin Flieger. That was really great. That was uh, I, I we 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 got a really cool picture of that. Uh, I got to uh, I got to lead Verlin Flieger in the Foxtrot, which was really fun. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Tony Mead says he should crash the party dressed as George R. R. Martin and cause a riot. That's ah, fine. It's fine. I'm not anti George. Okay, I'm a little anti George R. R. Martin, but I'm not intolerant of George R. R. Martin. It's all good. It's all good. Anyway, um, <laughs> cool. Anyhow, um, yeah, Druid's no, Friday. We did get stumped on the empty map of Numenor. We we came up with a we came up with a bunch of them because, of course, we remembered that most of the like the different segments of Numenor are just named after the like compass points, basically. Uh, so we got we got most of those. But I mean, you know, we don't. And of course, this wasn't in Chris Pearson's wheelhouse because he's like, we don't do Numenor, right? So uh, you know, he wasn't uh, he, he wasn't up on that. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, so so we'll see. Um, is it okay to attend without dancing? Yes, not everyone was involved in the dancing, though the dancing is very inclusive. Um, the dancing that we did at the Masquerade Ball, we spent, uh, we, we did a bunch of, um, of sort of, uh, uh, well, not line dancing, but we did sort of like some group dances, like some, uh, um, uh, we did a reel, which was fun, and we did some like country dances, basically, which were really great, which we all did together. Uh, and then we did a bunch of uh, uh, some 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 ballroom, but as a lot of it was focused on sort of instruction and uh, and helping people learn and everything. Uh, no one danced on the tables. Um, uh, we hadn't gotten quite at least they hadn't by the time I left the party. But uh, um, anyway. Uh, so it's, it, it is a very fun and inclusive, uh, uh, opportunity. I really enjoyed, uh, uh, learning. I learned a bunch of dances last year and I had a, I, I had a fun time going about and dancing, uh, 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 with folks. So that was really cool. Um, anyway. Okay. So 
<laughs> oh, JJ says, I could dress up as the walking tree and find some hobbits to fail to protect me. I'll never live that down. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. Anyway, um, yeah, so, um, so we'll, uh, uh, we'll see. I could try to go for, uh, um, I could, I could try to go, uh, uh, as a, <laughs> as a burned chicken. <laughs> Though really, I mean, remembering my own particular chicken run to mortar, I should go as a squashed chicken, really. Uh, a chicken with a big mumak footprint on it. Uh, uh, that one would probably not, uh, uh, not go over really well. Anyhow, really fun times. Looking forward to Mythmoot this year. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, all right. So, um, so let's, um, let's, let's get back to the text. Let's start chapter 11. Cause we've got, uh, uh, some really fun passages tonight. Uh, both, uh, finishing up, hopefully we're going to get to, ba- going to get back to Brie, uh, and get to finish up our discussion of the invasion of the rooms, which we were looking at from the setup last time. Uh, and then, uh, but of course, before we're going to get the, uh, the really awesome interlude, uh, in, uh, in Buckland. So, all right. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's get to this here. Breaking and entering is the name of tonight's class, because of course there's a great deal of breaking and breaking and both breaking and also entering, uh, that goes on during the course of, ten, of, uh, uh, today's material. So first, let's just jump straight into the text here tonight. As they prepared for sleep in the inn at Bree, darkness lay on Buckland, a mist strayed in the dells and along the riverbank. The house at Crick Hollow stood silent. Fatty Bulger opened the door cautiously and peered out. A feeling of fear had been growing on him all day, and he was unable to rest or to go to bed. There was a brooding threat in the breathless night air. As he stared out into the gloom, a black shadow moved under the trees. The gate seemed to open of its own accord and close again without a sound. Terror seized him. He shrank back, and for a moment he stood trembling in the hall. Then he shut and locked the door. The night deepened. There came the soft sound of horses led with stealth along the lane. Outside the gate they stopped, and three black figures entered, like shades of night creeping across the ground. One went to the door, one to the corner of the house on either side, and there they stood, still as the shadows of stones, while night went slowly on. The house and the quiet trees seem to be waiting breathlessly. Okay. Um, One thing that we can obviously see from the very beginning here, right? And this is another thing, like, you know, as I was saying last time, I spent years of my life under the, even before the Peter Jackson films came out, under the impression that the Nazgul had broken into the unit Bree. And this, I think, is the primary culprit for that, this juxtaposition between the break in at Bree and the break in at Crick Hollow, right? Because it is clearly, manifestly, um, the, uh, the, the ringwraiths, who break in, uh, who come to, to, to Crick Hollow, right? Um, so, you know, with the two break-ins happening at the same time and the threat of the, and the presence of the Nazgul confirmed, you know, last thing that happens in chapter 10 is the presence of the Nazgul is confirmed, uh, there. And then we see the Nazgul breaking in here. And then we, we go back to Bree and find that a break-in has happened, right? So it's very natural again, even without, uh, the Peter Jackson film. It's uh, uh, it's very natural to uh, uh, to sort of come to that conclusion, but look what happens. Um, 
uh, look what happens here. The description of the, we, we know this is not these are not thugs. These are not hirelings, right? These are the Nazgul themselves, and we get this first from just the growing sense of fear and dread that Fatty Bolger has, right? The way in which he is just affected, it seems, by the presence of the Nazgul, and. The first thing we learned there is that a feeling of fear had been growing on him all day, and he was unable to rest or go to bed. Um, there was a brooding threat in the breathless night air. Um, so it seems to me that there are two different um, uh, possibilities here, right? Possibility number one is that they... Um, uh, th- he, they're 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 present, like they're in hiding somewhere near the you know, the house, waiting for nightfall, right? So that um, even though they have not yet approached the house throughout the day, he can feel their kind of distant presence, and it's making him uneasy. And then as they begin to converge uh, and come closer to the house, that mounts, or possibly his feeling of unease and his the feeling of fear and his restlessness. Um, is from a different source, right? That he just has some kind of premonition of danger throughout the day, which is not directly derived uh, from the Nazgul, but rather comes from some other source, some other instinct, perhaps, that is warning him. Those would seem to me uh, to be the two... Uh, the two primary things. Now, questions that uh, a, a, a couple of people are asking here, uh, both Tillian and Catriona are says are, are saying, like, why are they bothering? Basically, you know, I, I, don't they know that the ring has left the Shire? Um, no, they don't. Remember two, a couple things here. First of all, the Nazgul cannot clearly the Nazgul cannot communicate telepathically. Right. This scene, in fact, is the is the scene which proves most clearly that the Nazgul cannot. Uh, communicate telepathically. There are a bunch of black riders who have been, um, who have been exploring the Shire, right? Who have been looking for the ring in the Shire, um, and they and the, the the they're all reporting back to the Witch King, but he is south of Bree right now. He's he's sort of stationed centrally, not too far from Bree, but a little bit down the Greenway is where he's based. Uh, and he's got some that are going east and, and, and checking the east road, and there are some uh, that he sent off into the Shire, right? But they haven't reported back yet. This is, again, why why does the Nazgul leave, right? When After after Mary kills over, right, why isn't it the Nazgul who's dragging Mary off to wherever they're going, right? Presumably Bill Fernie's uh, stinky basement or whatever. Um, the The... The reason is that he's got to go back to the Witch King to report. The Witch King needs to know about this. He, that Nazgul, whoever he is, has confirmed information, which sounds very certain, right? That the ring is there in Bree. This is big news with capital letters, and the ring and the Witch the Witch King's going to hear about, going to want to hear about that. The dudes in the Shire, right? The ring raids in the Shire don't know about this. Um, what do they know? They know that the ring has been traced here. Now, keep in mind, it's going to have taken them a little while to figure out where it is. Um, first of all, the I, so you're one of the ring wraiths in the Shire, right? Um, what do you do, right? You have tracked him. Uh, uh, the one that you're pretty sure, you know, you know that Baggins has left 
uh, Hobbiton, right? Uh, you just, you talk to Farmer Maggot and told him that you know that Baggins is coming, right? You know he's coming this way. They tracked them all the way to the ferry. So they know that they're in Buckland. But what then? Right. It's crossing the river is non-trivial for them. This is a really important thing. The river is a significant obstacle. Um, so they don't he certainly can't swim the river. And it's even, you know, even crossing the bridge is a, a dicey for them. Right. Um, so they've got to go. It's the, they're not going to get there right away. But even though it's been a couple of days now, because remember, they were in the house of Tom Bombadil for uh, for a couple of days. You know, they had the day in the in the old forest. They spent the next day at the Prancing Pony. They spent the next day going out and then eventually ending uh, at the uh, in the Barrow. Right. Spending the night disastrously in the Barrow. And then the fourth day after that is the day. You know, so the fourth day after they left Crick Hollow uh, is the day that we just ended, of course, here. Um, so it's been several days since they lost Frodo uh, at the, the ferry landing, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, Mike, exactly. They, uh, um, they, don't, um, they, they don't have a map, right? They don't, so they know that the ring is over in Buckland. Okay, so what do they know then, right? What, are they, what conclusions can they draw then? Um, they have to find out where it is, right? They have to, they have to figure out what's he going to do. Is this his goal, right? Is he going to take off from there? Their first priority would have to be to watch the road, right? Remember, that's what Frodo was suspecting. It's why he wanted to go in the old forest in the first place, right? Because surely if he's going to continue, he's going, he's heading east. If he's going to continue east, he obviously is going to use the road. Who goes through the old forest? Nobody goes through the old forest. I think when Frodo says that the enemy wouldn't expect, you know, the, the Black Riders wouldn't expect them to do that, probably right, right? Um, yeah, so, Mad Violinist, uh, the gaffer mentions Buckleberry, specifically, as I recall. Um, sold and gone, I tell you, he's off to Buckleberry or some such place. Um, but he can't tell him where that is, right? Um, so, um, uh, anyway, so, okay, so he's, so, they, they know from the gaffer, they know that he's, um, uh, they know that he's uh, uh, going to Buckleberry. Where is that? Buckleberry? Right? Um, they can ask and find out, but it takes them a while to collect themselves. It takes them a while to, to, to zone in on the house there. I don't think that's their first thing. I don't think like they've spent four days hunting for the house at Crick Hollow. I think they spent some of those days hunting for the, uh, for the house at Crick Hollow. I think they've spent the other days patrolling the road to make sure that he didn't slip out, uh, you know, after he crossed the river and just head up the road and take off, right? So they've been patrolling up there trying to figure out where he is, right? They seem to have concluded, having, having uh, connected presumably, uh, with the other black riders around Bree have confirmed, okay, he's not being, we, we, we haven't, you know, we've searched the road, right? Several times between Buckland and, and, and Bree. He's not arrived in Bree. There's been no word of him in Bree and he's not on the road. Therefore, logically, he must be still in Buckland, right? So we've got to go in there, uh, to Buckland, find this Buckleberry place, and try to figure out where he's living. Now, notice what that implies, right? And this, of course, comes back to the discussion we were having about Strider's words about how their 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 strength is in is in is in fear. Their strength is in darkness, right? Um, they don't like well lit places where lots of people are. Um, 
that's not where their power is. So it might seem like Buckland might not seem like, you know, a bastion of strength to repel the Nazgul, but it kind of is. It's a little bit difficult for them to go into Buckland and make any headway in there, right? So, um, uh, so, you know, I, um, um, I definitely, uh, I definitely think that it's, you can see, you can see, you can see that there are a couple reasons why this would be sort of their, uh, um, their last priority, right? Uh, he must still be there. So let's, um, so let's find him, right? Um, Okay, so that seems to be that seems to be why a they have not found the house sooner than that, and but b why they're still coming because remember that so it's now they are arriving, they are raiding the house at Crick Hollow only a few hours after Frodo has been spotted at Bree. Remember, it was dusk; it was already. I mean, the sun was down when Frodo came in through the gate um, at Bree. So. And it's now, uh, you know, it's it's now evening of that same day. So there is zero chance that any of the Black Riders in the Shire could have any idea that Frodo has been spotted at Bree, right? How would they know? Um, so um, anyway, so so the, the logistics of it makes sense, you know, when you kind of stop and think it through. But you have to. You have to, I mean, one of the things that is so difficult to understand, especially I would add, uh, and I don't mean this as a, as a knock against Lotro specifically, but if you're used to thinking in like RPG video game terms, right? Um, it's kind of misleading, right? Um, that is, if you're used to thinking of it in video games term, the Nazgul, they're obviously bosses, right? I mean, like these are elite mobs, clearly the the Nazgul. And you've got a bunch of hobbits. So you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, sort of landscape NPCs, right, here in Buckland, right, who clearly, like, they're not even first level, right? Uh, and then you've got a, you know, you've got this, this group of three or four, um, you know, boss bad guys who are obviously hugely powerful. Um, and again, you, if you're thinking in video game terms, it's like, this is ridiculous. Like, why would they even hesitate? Um, you know, it, it would make sense, for instance, uh, to imagine, okay, so if you're the Nazgul, right, and you're fairly unscrupulous, then surely maybe like what you could do is start at the Haygate, you know, um, up in the north of Buckland, and then just work your way south and slaughter every single hobbit in Buckland, right? That ought to do it, right? That ought to, you know, that way you just be th- do a thorough job of the thing, and you'll find the ring one way or the other. I mean, right, like that you can't imagine that they're... Uh, uh, they're, they're beset with scruples about that sort of thing. Uh, if the ring of power is at stake and if it would mean finding the ring, the ring of power. Again, if you think about it in those kinds of terms, in those kinds of sort of video gamey terms, that, that, you know, those, those are the kinds of questions you have. I've had, I've been asked questions like that from people like, why do the Nazgul seem worried about the hobbits? Why don't they just, why don't they just slaughter folks? This is actually, um, one of the things, uh, that, uh, I think that I, one of the small things that I disliked in the opening sequences of the Peter Jackson Fellowship of the Ring 
um, is when the Nazgul ride through and they they draw their swords and kill a hobbit on the side of the road. Remember that the dude with the lantern. Um, I was like, no, that's they just that's not how they operate, right? First of all, that's not the kind of power that the Nazgul have. Um, but secondly, it's not obvious that that's even really something that they can do. So, um, anyway, it's, um, it's, um, it's tricky. It's tricky, but it, you have to understand, you have to take what Strider said, right. And, and understand, yes, the Nazgul are a big deal. The Nazgul are really powerful, but their power is of a particular kind. And, the Shire and the Hobbits are not as defenseless as they look, not on this level, because, you know, they, uh, they're they not, not fighting with mortal weapons. Neither side in this particular... Con- when it's the Nazgul versus the Shire, they're not fighting. It's, it's not about, you know, how good your weapons are, right? It's not about whether you have properly leveled up equipment. Um, you know, it's not about how many hit points you have, although I know Lotro doesn't use hit points. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's none of that, right? It's about a spiritual struggle, right? Between light and darkness, between the shadow and, 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 and hope and joy. Yeah, their power is in fear, which is, yes, exactly, Marianne. Their weapons are spiritual, and the weapons with which they are opposed, even unconsciously, are also spiritual. Um, and that's a big deal. It's a big deal that is kind of hard in many ways, I think, for us to uh, uh, for us to wrap uh, our brains around. And Pontine, I know that their goal wouldn't be to kill hobbits, but my point is, you could say that, like, what. You could ask, why are they mucking about, right? I mean, if they want to get the ring, why don't they just, like, why are they hiding even, right? Why don't they just go through, search every single hobbit, uh, you know, uh, break down every house, round up every single hobbit, frisk them, search them for the one ring, right? I mean, like, they theoretically, they could do that, right? No, in theory, they can't do that. Uh, and we have to understand that they... um uh, that's, it's not something that is actually pass, uh, possible for them to do. Um, but, um, yeah, and exactly, Wheel Rider, they are far from the center of their power in Mordor, and geography does seem to matter. I mean, I don't know, you know, does the, does the, does the power of the Nazgul fall off as, you know, inverse squared of the distance from Mordor? I don't know, but, uh, remember that a lot of their power is derived from Sauron himself and linked back to Sauron himself, right? He has invested much of his own power in the, that's what the, where the power of the Nine Rings comes from. That's Sauron, Sauron's power, right? He made the Nine Rings. Where do they get their power from from him he put his own power uh his own self uh in the ring so if they are far from him it limits them significantly um do they grow stronger when closer to the ring no because they're not getting power from the ring they get power from sauron um the ring of power were frodo to put it on and claim it and master the ring then he could command the nazgul presumably um but he is um the the ring itself does not give them power it dominates them the source of their power is not the ring it's sauron himself the ring is the mechanism by which he can control them though they are bound to him now um but it's the way in which he could dominate say like for instance the three elvish rings that was the like dominating the elven rings uh was why sauron did the thing that he did um 
and yes, Harnuth, they can do physical damage, as we can see when they stab Frodo, but they don't just stab Frodo. And you'll notice nobody else gets attacked. Um, they don't, they don't fight with normal physical weapons. Even the stabbing of Frodo is not merely an attack by a physical weapon. Um, it is also a spiritual attack. It is a spiritual attack for which a physical weapon is the instrument. But it's a physical attack. It's not a, or it's, it's a spiritual attack. It's not simply a physical attack. Um, anyway, yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, what were we doing? Okay, so let's, let's go back now to... So having talked a little bit about the logistics of this situation and how this is going down. So now... At, by this point, right, they've searched the road, they've come up dry, they're figuring he's got... So this is why they think he's got to be here. Because the last place he was known to go, be going is Buckleberry. No evidence that he's gone anywhere. They haven't found him anywhere else. He hasn't made it to Bree. So they're going to... They're doubling back now, and they're, they've searched out. They found Buckleberry. They have located... We don't know how, right, by what process this was done. And it presumably didn't happen instantly, and it didn't happen easily, right? But they have found where Buckleberry is... Um, you know, there's no, like, you don't walk into Buckland and, and find a, an interactive map with a you are here thing in it, right? They've got to figure this out. And, you know, although they can and do, as we see, ask questions of hobbits and get directions and things, that's not necessarily the easiest thing for them to do. So, okay. Um, one does not simply walk into Buckland for Thoughtless. That's exactly it. Uh, so, okay. So they, uh, they've, but, but... Now they so having doubled back, doubled back, having decided to search Buckland, they find the house, right, and they're narrowing in on it. And uh, Fatty Bulger is uneasy, right? Fatty Bulger can sense them coming again. Was he tipped off by some other, you know, uh, instinct? or some other sort of uh, impulse? Um, did he just sense them nearby? Um, I think, uh, um, I think, uh, th- th- I'm not sure which of the two it is. I don't think there's enough evidence to say that we can be confident that he is receiving some sort of, um, you know, kind of guidance or inspiration. Um, but, uh, it is seems to me quite possible that some that a black rider has been watching the house. They're they're strongest in the nighttime, right? But it's not like they vanish during the day. Um, so I would suspect, uh, based on this paragraph here, that a black rider has been near the house watching it all day long, um, so they can know whether or not there's anyone in there, and they do because there is, right? Um, re- and remember, in the conspiracy unmasked, we were told that Fatty Bulger was going to have some of Frodo's clothes and was going to go around masquerading as Frodo Baggins, right? So they have seen a hobbit here who may or may not be Frodo Baggins, right? Um, and so what they are doing here is confirming, right? Um, it seem, There is at least... There is a non-zero chance that the ring is here. And based on every all of the information that they have available um, uh, for them, they... Um, uh, they, they, they definitely, um, uh, you know, could, could, this has to be their likeliest candidate. They have to at least rule it out. Right. Um, okay. So, and Cecilia, yeah, is wondering, could they have literally sniffed it out? Like we've seen the sniffing possibly, possibly 
That I would think the delay would. Uh, I mean, in as much as they're actually sniffing, um, that is to say, that the scent that they are following is a physical scent and not some kind of spiritual thing. Again, it kind of manifesting itself in, a, in an outwardly physical way. Um, if the scent that they are sniffing is just literally their scent, um, I would think their scent, the scent of Frodo and his companions, whom some of these sniffing Nazgul might recognize from their trek across the Shire, um, I would think that their scent would have faded by now and it would be it would be a little difficult. Um, and yeah, exactly, Matt, I'm not sure if um, the, the they can sniff the ring of power in some sense, like if this, if like the, their sniffing is kind of a, you know, an outward show that is attached, uh, to, uh, um, you know, a, a more kind of spiritual perception in that way. If they, you know, does the, does the sense of the one ring linger, you know, having passed here, we don't really, we don't really know. And fourth thoughtless, I agree. You're right to remind us that it's not only been several days, um, but it's also rained on Goldberry's washing day. Right. So, um, if they were following a physical scent, it would have been washed away. So I don't think, I don't think it's that simple. Again, I think that they have had to find the house. Um, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> Tom. Yeah, that's true. Thinking back to the uh, to Bilbo's famous line about mm, it smells like elves uh, in Rivendell. Um, yes, yes, because it's not obvious that that is a purely physical scenting that he is scenting as well. Um, uh, but um, yeah. Yeah. Now Tillian is wondering if that has something to do with why Goldberry chose that day for her washing day. Um, I don't think so. I would think that that would just be chance. Um, but still. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think they could just be sniffing. But anyway, all of this is to say makes perfect sense to me uh, why they would not be arriving at the Crick Hollow house for all of this uh, for all of this time. Um, anyway, uh, okay. Um, where was I? The brooding threat in the breathless night air. Look how the Nazgul move. This is the Nazgul moving into the attack. It's dark, right? They're not waiting for dark anymore. Darkness lay on Buckland. It's fully dark now. What did the Nazgul do? Let's watch their maneuvers. A black shadow moved under the trees. The gate seemed to open of its own accord and close again without a sound. I think that this does mean, and one of you was suggesting this earlier on or asking about this earlier on, and I would say, yes, this does sound to me like an uncloaked Nazgul. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I do think that... Um, um, I do think that there is a there is basically an invisible Nazgul there. Um, it's not. I mean, it's dark, so it might just be that you know he's he's wearing a black cloak in the darkness, and so he can't see it. Um, but the way that uh, it's described with the gate, it's not just you know a shadow that he couldn't a, a darker shadow you know stepped through the gate or something like that. It's. Um, it's 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 it, he can see the gate and it seems to be opening and closing on its own. Uh, and terror seized him. 
He shrank back, and for a moment he stood trembling in the hall. Then he shut and locked the door. Then time passes, right? The Nazgul are not quick. They don't pounce on the house. They close in on the house, right? So he comes through the, the gate, and then the night deepened. So that's an indeterminate amount of time that's passing there. Probably not hours, right? But it certainly must be minutes that pass after he's come through the gate. There came the soft sound of horses led with stealth along the lane, right? So the black riders have their, unlike in Bree, he had, they, they brought their horses with them, right? Outside the gate, they stopped so that the, the horses are now at the gate. Three black figures entered like shades of night creeping across the ground. Does this mean that the Nazgul are crawling along the ground on their bellies like that one that Frodo saw? Uh, no, I don't read it that way. Um, like shades of night creeping across the ground. Um, so it's comparing the, their movement across the lawn to the movement of shadows creeping across the ground. So just as during the day, for instance, right, the shadows of the daytime, you know, as time passes, the shadows of the trees and the lawn, you know, creep across the the ground, right? Um, So too, the movement of the Nazgul across the lawn was like shadows in the nighttime creeping across the ground. That is, they move slowly, inexorably, and utterly silently. Are they all uncloaked, uh, uh, Rallis Earth Dweller? I'm not really sure that they are. Because here, remember, the first one was like invisible, right? Um, the first one is that you could see a black shadow moving under the trees and then the gate just seems to open and close on its own, right? After the, with the ones that were out with the horses, right? Uh, these, the, these three, so one at least was there, uh, before, and then three have come in and they're visible. They're black, they're visible as black figures. So I don't think that they're uncloaked. Maybe the first one isn't either. That's not certain, but it seems possible at least. Um, and, uh, but again, there, I love that description of their passage across the lawn, uh, like, like a, like a shadow coming towards the house. Um, yeah. One went to the door one to the corner of the house on either side, and there they stood, as still as the shadows of stones, while night went slowly on. Not quick, right? So they don't come in right away. When they do come in, they, 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 they creep across the lawn like the advancing shadows as time passes through the day. They get in position. One comes to the door. The other two go to the corners of the house, flanking him, right? And then they do nothing. Then they stand there, silently, still, still as the shadows of stones. What a great uh, simile that is, isn't it? Um, Still as the shadows of stones. Because they don't look like stones, right? So you can't say that they're still as stones or still as statues. They're still as the shadows of the stones, right? Because they are completely black, completely featureless, right? These patches of blackness in the night. Um, but as still as if they were the shadows of stones. Um, yeah, Stephanie, I agree. This, uh, the stillness is really the creepiest part. Um, the house and the quiet trees seem to be waiting breathlessly. Um, 
and yes, the S alliteration is super creepy. Still as the shadows of stones. Yes, all the sibilants in that phrase really make it uh, wonderfully rich. Um, exactly. Belangsmond, that's exactly uh, the way that I read this. Um, uh, Belangsmond says, would they be doing this to cause fear so they can sense where the fear is coming from and locate their prey? Yes. Oh, it, whether it's a location thing or whatever, th- this is their strength, right? Um, their goal is not to come in. They're not going to, they're not going to come in and rough up Fatty Bulger, right? That's not the plan. Um, you know, so they don't come running up to the house and kick in the door and, uh, you know, no, they, they come, they just, they stand there by their presence, by, st- they have surrounded the house. Yes, it's very creepy for us, the readers. Um, it is, it would be beyond terrifying for Fatty Bulger inside, for the hobbits that are in this house and they know there's at least one hobbit in there, right? Terror seized him just when he saw the gate opening close, Right. I mean, it's now to see the house surrounded and the silent, uh, the you know, the silent shadows standing by the door in the corners of the house. Um, uh, yeah, yes. I mean, they are. Keep in mind, they are attacking the house right now. The house it is under attack. Right, it is under spiritual attack. It is under the kind of attack that the Nazgul do. They don't kick and punch and swing their swords. Right, they afflict their victims with fear. And that's one of the things that they're doing. Now, uh, Tony was asking, are they waiting for their hour? Um, uh, you know, are they, uh, uh, is, they, they, they might be waiting for something, I think. Um, and we will see that here in just a second, maybe, uh, or maybe get some more information on that. But, um, but, but again, make no mistake, this house is under assault right now and anyone in it, uh, is already under the full attack of the Nazgul. When they enter the house, it's not going to get any worse, right? Uh, you know, if you've got a door between you and Nazgul, like, it's not like, oh, you're temporarily safe, right? I mean, Fatty was smart to lock the door, of course, but, uh, but again, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not about physical attack at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I love the description of the trees. The quiet trees seemed to be waiting breathlessly. There was a faint stir in the leaves, and a cock crowed far away. The cold hour before dawn was passing. The figure by the door moved. In the dark without moon or stars a drawn blade gleamed, as if a chill light had been unsheathed. There was a blow, soft but heavy, and the door shuddered. Open in the name of Mordor, said a voice thin and menacing. At a second blow, the door yielded and fell back, with timbers burst and lock broken. The black figures passed swiftly in. The cock crows, right? I love the foreshadowing. Uh, the way that the door of Crick Hollow serves as a foreshadowing of um, uh, of the gates of Minas Tirith are awesome. It's, 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 it's just fantastic, right? So, Tony, you were asking, is this, are they waiting for their hour? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
their hour is this dark hour before the dawn. Were they waiting for this hour? I don't know. It kind of seems to me like if it's that close to dawn at this point, um, they, uh, you know, waiting is not in their interest, right? They better get a move on uh, because if they wait until the uh, until until the sun rises, then you know their hour is going to be passed, right? Um, as the uh, the rooster is sort of suggesting that their hour is passing. Um, again, that's the whole point, of course, of the rooster crowing uh, in Minas Tirith, is that, well, it's one of the points of it anyway, that day has come. Um, uh, but yeah, it is lovely to see how the Nazgul's hour is foiled both here and at Minas Tirith Finn. I think it's really, it's really, it's really awesome. Um, in the dark without moon or star- stars, a drawn blade gleamed. And um, uh, Blancsmon was asking, you know, is that is that where they're strongest, you know, in this darkest hour? Were they waiting for the I mean, was the moonlight kind of bright before that? I mean, remember, Fatty Bulger could see the gate opening and closing pretty clearly. So, uh, you know, maybe it was a little bright before and, and they're waiting for complete darkness to descend. It's, it's sort of part of the kind of spell of fear that they are weaving, that they want to wait for complete, you know, for a dark without moon or stars. Um, and the, uh, in that darkness, the drawn blade gleams. Um, yes, this is the Morgul weapon. I'm fairly confident in that, right? Uh, I called the, uh, I, I subtitled this slide, the gun on stage, because of course the drawing of this gleaming blade, uh, is foreshadowing, right? You know, this, uh, knowing that the Nazgul have this, uh, this, sort of terrifying weapon that he has drawn. Um, it it kind of seems like that's got to come in uh, useful later on, right? Uh, uh, it's got to be relevant. Um, but, um, okay, so, uh, yes, agreed. The gleaming of the blade in the starless, moonless dark is unnatural. That's 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 a real, a plain indicator there. Y- that, yes, this is a... This weapon, this dagger, this uh, blade, how it just calls it a blade, so it doesn't say how large it is. Uh, the blade that is drawn by the uh, by the Nazgul here um, is um, magic, what hobbits would call a magic blade, right? Um, it's gleaming with a chill light, as if a chill light had been unsheathed. That's, uh, that's bad. And yes, these are really heavy blows. Um... And yes, JJ, you're right. The light, the, we get another evil light. This is our second evil light. Um, and this is a really good example. We didn't think of this. Remember when we were talking about the, the corpse light, you know, that, 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 uh, that terrifying, hideous green light, uh, that surrounds them in the barrow. Um, and I was thinking to the, the light of Minas Morgul at that time. Um, but this is a really interesting, uh, uh, Example of that same of that same kind of thing, and it is gleaming without alliteration, Matthew. That's interesting. I wonder if that's, uh, um, yes, yeah. Uh, good light tends to gleam in the gloom, right? Uh, that is, the alliteration serves by pairing those two words, gleam and gloom. It serves to contrast them, right? Or serves serves to emphasize how the light that is being so described 
uh, is gleam is con- is contrasting with the darkness, right? Um, and it's not always or not exclusively, but but frequently a uh, uh, f- but frequently a uh, um, a, a good thing, right? A um, um, a that it kind of maps onto that kind of a moral thing. Um, I, I, I'd be interested, uh, Matthew, to see if this holds up. Uh, if lights that gleam in the gloom, when we get the alliteration on gleam, uh, if they're always good lights instead of evil lights. But anyway, okay. Um, I do not believe that the dagger has anything to do with the destruction of the door. Um, first of all, it's clear that the dagger blade, whatever it is, that the blade is not used on the door. Um, you can tell because of the sound that it makes, right? The uh, blow soft but heavy, right? Uh, that's not a blow either with blade or hilt of a of a of a sword or dagger on the. Uh, this is not a ring. This is not a thunk, right? This is a soft but heavy blow, uh, like a fist or an open hand, um, maybe a boot or something, right? This is the Nazgul himself beating on the gate. Um, a couple of you, were, again, thinking about Minas Tirith, were asking about sort of a parallel between Grand uh, and the weapon that he unsheathes here. Uh, no, no, for a couple of reasons. I would, I would not say that, and for a couple of reasons. First, it, it's clear to me that he, which is based on the description of that sound, that he doesn't hit the door with the weapon. So in that way, it's not really a parallel to Grand, uh, the the battering ram. But secondly, uh, I think that it's not parallel because it's also clear that Grand is just kind of a. It's not Grand that breaks the gate of Minas Tirith. Um, it's the Witch King who breaks the gate of Minas Tirith. Um, he, by his power, breaks down the gate. He cries. Um, he uses magic. He uses. He casts a spell, an opening spell, uh, a sundering spell on the gates of Minas Tirith, and he shatters them. Um, uh, Grand is involved, but it's not... Uh, it's not. It's not Grand that breaks open the gates of Minas Tirith. That is even more explicit. So we were just talking about this um, last week, last Wednesday, in our War of the Ring class, uh, as we're going through the uh, manuscript history of the Lord of the Rings. If you look at the first, the earlier draft of that, um, the breaking of the gates. We just did that last Wednesday, um, and the the Black Rider coming through and confronting Gandalf. Uh, and you know what Gandalf says in the first draft of that scene. Uh, the witch king comes in and he says, you cannot pass. Uh, it's kind of awesome, actually. But anyhow, uh, so um, the witch king, uh, but but in that scene, uh, when in the first time he described, in the first draft when he described it, Gron, you know, the, the, the ram first hits the gates uselessly. He emphasizes, the, all it does is make the gate ring. Right. Um, It doesn't have any impact at all. And then the witch king cries out and he cries out three times. And on the third time and and, sort of in sync with the beating of the ram. And the third time he cries out, the gates just blow up. They just they just rupture. Um, Anyhow, 
Uh, so, so yeah, so the weapon is not, it's, it's the power of the Nazgul that's opening the door. And notice it's not just, this is not just like, so Nazgul apparently have a, uh, uh, you know, they've got like a easily a 19 strength. So their percentage chance of breaking a door is, you know, way up about 65, 70% chance at least, because I'm thinking here, I think I'm doing like second edition D and D in my head right now. Um, but I know they don't have percentage chance to break doors anymore in fifth edition. But, um, but again, it's not like that. It's not his physical strength. Look at the description. This is my favorite part of this whole passage. Look at the description of the door. What does the door do? Right. It notice it doesn't. It's like using the passive voice. Right. Uh, um, when you use the passive voice in a sentence, I know your English teacher always tell, told you never to use the passive voice, but despite what your English teacher might have told you, the passive voice is not evil, right? It's used irresponsibly and often used to confuse people, often deliberately. This is why politicians use it. You know, mistakes were made, that kind of thing, right? Um, but the reason you use, you often might choose effectively to use the passive voice is when you want to draw attention not to the thing doing the action, but to the, the thing upon which the action is being done, right? That's the uh, the sort of uh, effect of emphasis that using the passive voice has. Um, the um, to Exactly, Lincoln, the passive voice, perfectly acceptable under the right circumstances, can be done. So I, I always get kind of annoyed when English teachers are like, never ever use the passive One rule, never use the passive voice. It's just dumb. It's like saying, never use the imperative mood or something like that. Like, come on. Uh, but anyway, whatever. Um, the emphasis is not, however, on what the Nazgul does. Like, the description is not, you know, at a second, you know, uh, with his second blow, the Nazgul drives his boot through the door and, like, breaks the door in pieces, right? That's not what it says. It's, it's all about the door. At a second blow, the door yielded and fell back with timbers burst and lock broken. If it didn't say that the timbers were burst and the laws were broken, locks were broken, we wouldn't even know that it physical force had been used, right? The door yielded and fell back. Um, it is fascinating. Yes, Tony, you're right. The door is anthropomorphic. It's like it's resisting and it gets defeated, right? Um, Matt says it sounds like the door is a shield wall that is broken, right? Um, again, you know, Tony, Matt thinking in the same ways, but instead of thinking it like a, a single anthropomorphism, right? Like a single, uh, being compared to a single person. It's like the door is being compared to a, a defending army, right? Um, yeah. So it's, uh, uh, the door yielded and fell back with shimbers burst and lock broken. Um, so yeah, that's, um. It's just a fantastic description. The door is like repelled. It is being, the door is overcome, right? Uh, The door's will is broken almost, right? Um, It yielded. It yielded. The door yielded and falls. The, The poor door can't stand forever against the Nazgul. But again, it's not just about the physical strength of the Nazgul. Clearly, it has employed physical force, right? There is a physical blow soft but heavy, right? And the door is shaking. The door breaks. So physical force has been used. But again, notice how far Tolkien is going out of his way not to make this a simple um, a simple physical description, right, of somebody busting in a door. 
Um, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Fortalis, this is not the passive voice. I'm not saying he's using the passive voice. I'm saying that what he does in this description is parallel to what one does syntactically when one uses the passive Just as in using the passive voice, one emphasizes the, the, sub, the, the, the object of the action rather than the doer of the action. So, too, does Tolkien's description here do the same thing. The description is not about what the Nazgul does to the door. It's, what the, it's, what, it's about what the door does, right, when it receives the action of the Nazgul. So, sorry, I was a little unclear about that. Grammatically, no, this is not the passive voice, but it's like that, right? That's what I'm, uh, um, uh, that's what I'm trying to kind of capture here. Um, yeah, JJ says we need a song memorializing the fall of the door. You're totally right. I mean, uh, uh, it, 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 doesn't this kind of sound like a noble enemy, which has been, I mean, the noble rear guard action, Fatty Bolger owes his life, right, uh, to the self-sacrificial rearguard action of this door, right? And, you know, it may have yielded and fallen, right, but its sacrifice is nonetheless, and we uh, will always remember it, right? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. That's exactly the kind of sense that's created with this, and I think that is uh, absolutely awesome. Um, uh, he has already fled Lincoln, but the, again, like he's given, to, had the door not been there, right? Uh, I'm telling you, it's all, um, um, yeah, it's unclear exactly how long that Fatty Bulger has been gone. Not hours. I don't think it's been hours. They're taking their time, right? This is not a lightning assault uh, on the front door of uh, the house at Crick Hollow. But it's also, I don't, I, 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 don't, I mean, the night deepened and all of that, but I don't think it's hours um, based on the action that we get, um, uh, that we get from before. Um, okay, let's keep going. <clears throat> now we get to the good part. At that moment, among the trees nearby, a horn rang out. It rent the night like fire on a hilltop. Awake! Fear! Fire! Foes! Awake! Fatty Bolger had not been idle. As soon as he saw the dark shapes creep from the garden, he knew that he must run for it or perish. And run he did, out of the back door, through the garden, and over the fields. When he reached the nearest house more than a mile away, he collapsed on the doorstep. No, 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 he was crying. No, not me. I haven't got it. It was some time before anyone could make out what he was babbling about. At last they got an idea that enemies were in Buckland, some strange invasion from the old forest. And then they lost no more time. Fear, fire, foes! The brandy bucks were blowing the horn call of Buckland that had not been sounded for a hundred years, not since the white wolves came in the fell winter when the brandy wine was frozen over. And again, horns foil the hour of the Black Riders, Finn. Exactly. The parallels between the assault on Crick Hollow uh, and the, you know, this sort of turning point uh, of the Battle of Pelennor Field here uh, are, are awesome, aren't they? I mean, the closer you look at them, the, the, uh, the clearer it gets. Um, so, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just noticed the comments earlier on. First, Tony Mead comparing the door to the Spartans at the hot gates. And then Tom saying, this is Buckland. Yeah. That juxtaposition is a good one, Tom. That's, that's, that's excellent. Um, uh, Yes, and Matt, absolutely. This is also an echo from Beowulf. The 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 sound 
of the hand on the door, um, the arm, you know, the hand and the arm that bust in the, 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 the the doors of Heirot, uh when Grendel pounds on it. Yes, it's it sounds just like that. Um Yeah, cool. Um Yeah. Um Yeah, you know, uh Finn, I never really thought about that so much either. Uh I mean I I'd kind of generally noticed it, but I'd never looked in this detail to see how closely it parallels the gates of Minas Tirith. Um I think it's uh uh, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Um, but, um, so Veronica, let me, let me get to that point first and then we'll talk about, um, we'll talk about the, the horn call in a second. Um, Veronica says very sensibly that the Nazgul were kind of dumb not to, co- not to cover Fatty's route of escape. I think the, uh, my reading of that, I think they underestimated the hobbits, like so many people do, right? I think that they believed that whoever was in the house is going to be paralyzed with fear. That when they bust through um, the uh, doors, they're going to find a quivering jelly of a hobbit, right? Um, Absolutely paralyzed with fear inside the house, right? Um, They don't seem to... I mean, you'd think this would be the simplest thing. Right. Let's cover the back door in case he makes a run for it. But they don't. Um, they don't. So hang on. Well, two, two things here. First, I don't think it's true that the Nazgul never think of this. Um, why is it that one goes to the door and the other two go to the corners of the house? Right. I think they're watching around the sides to see if anybody makes a run for it. Right. Fatty made a run for it right away. Before, remember, one of them comes first, and then the other three who are leading their horses stealthily in the lane come in after. Fatty's gone out the back door before the other three come in and approach the front door even, right? So by the time they take up their positions on the corners, watching around the sides and everything, um, they, uh, uh, Fatty's already gone. So I don't think that this is necessarily a question of, uh, them just never thinking to cover the back way. But I absolutely believe that part of the, like, why didn't they cover the back door first? Right. Why, why, you know, again, it would seem like the very first and obvious step to make sure that you first secure the area so that nobody can escape. Then you close in. Right. And they didn't do that. Um, or at least they delayed too long. They gave them time to get out the back door before they, before they secured it. Um, but again, I think it's because they underestimate. They underestimate the vigilance of the Hobbit. They underestimate. Fatty detected their presence way before maybe they expected him to. I mean, he was looking out for him before the first one even came through the gate. He knew something was up. Did they know that he would know that? Um, he reacted um, by taking action. I mean, it's not like a bold, brave forward assault or anything. I mean, you could say running away isn't the most bold action to take, but um, it's still, I think, more than they expected him to be able to muster, right? I mean, that's uh, that's that's decisive action uh, and a perfectly appropriate action under the circumstances. And I don't think that they thought that he would have it in him. He did bravely run away, JJ. That's exactly what happened. Um so, yeah, the fact that he 
escaped. Yeah, not bold, but wise. Exactly, Marianne. That's just it. Um, and I don't, but I don't think that he, they thought he was capable even of that. Um, and they come in and find that he's gone and not only gone, but he's gone productively, right? Uh, now, this is not like Fatty goes out and, like, uses his wits and, like, musters the resistance and, you know, returns with a posse or something like that, right? You know, all he does is just run to the, to the nearest house and, and, and cry, right? I mean, he's completely terrified. But he can muster that, right? He can get it. I mean, and so he just ran a mile through the night. Um, I don't know what Fatty's mile is, but it can't be. <laughs> can't be that fast. Though he probably just ran the fastest mile of his life, I'm guessing. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. But, Mike, exactly. The whole book is filled with a mighty underestimating hobbits, and I do think that that's what we get here, especially since that's exactly what we're going to see uh, in just a little bit, right? Um, everybody, exactly, belongs Bond, everybody underestimates hobbits. And of course, we're going to see the hobbits rise up. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Lady Shmevioc, that's a really interesting thing, right? Um, you know, she has to do the hobbits even believe him. Well, fortunate, it's almost fortunate that he doesn't say anything, right? I mean, like, if he, if he, if he had been more articulate, it might have been a bigger problem, right? If you come in and be like, okay, the Black Riders are here. And they're like, what? The who? It's like, Black Riders. There are these Black Riders, and they've kind of invaded the Shire, and they're hunting us, and they're here. Who are they hunting? Who are these things? They'd be asking a lot of questions, right? But with him just kind of blubbering and obviously out of commission, they just, they come to an incorrect but sensible conclusion, right? Um... Uh, they can tell that he's completely terrified. He's obviously seen something, uh, and, uh, and and they, you know, they 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 again they don't know they they misdiagnose the problem, um, but they uh, they do they do pretty well. Um, exactly, Katrina. They know it's, something terrified him that much. Logically. It's probably something out of the old forest, right? They do have a paradigm for this. Like, they know that creepy things live in the old forest. The Bucklanders have lived their whole lives on the eaves of this creepy forest. They have that rather comforting comforting wall in between it and them, right? So it's not like they're constantly looking between the trees, waiting for something to come out at them. But it's not like it never comes up, right? I mean, all of them. Remember Fatty Bulger? Uh, he doesn't even live in Buckland. He lives across the river. But still, um, he's, you know, his nurse used to scare him with stories of things that would come crawling out of the out of the old forest. I am sure that the nurses of all those people in Buckland used to scare them when they were kids uh, with stories of scary things crawling out of the forest. And it seems to have happened, right? So it's... Um, it's uh, it's it's a very sensible conclusion uh, that they have uh, uh, that they have come to um, now about the the horn calls. I also really love the translation, but I love how it works in both ways, both how we get like a verbalization of the horns in the sense of being told what it conveys. Right. So when the Bucklanders hear this cry, um, they can. Uh, they, you know, this, this is, this is what they hear, right? This is what it translates to fear, fire, foes awake. Um, but the other thing that I love about it, and this is just like, to me, such a wonderful example of Tolkien's phonoesthetic sense, 
right? If you have ever heard a horn cry, right? Um, if you have ever, uh, as I have, blown, you know, a horn or a bugle, right? I was a horn player. I was a trumpet player uh, when I was in high school and college. Um, uh, it was just uh, at the band, con- the elementary school band concert of Matthias, my 10-year-old son, who's playing the trumpet now, uh, following in my footsteps. Very cute. Um, uh, he did very well. Anyway, if you ever heard anyone make a horn call, you you can't play a lot of notes, right? You just play it. You, you can only play it in arpeggios. And that's what he's describing. So the words enable you to hear exactly. There are different horn calls that you can make, right? Um, and the horn call of Buckland, you can hear it, right? Awake, fear, fire, foes, awake, fire, foes, awake, right? You can, the, the awake is so beautiful, both in the sense of conveying what it means, right? Um, but also in the sense of enabling you to hear exactly what the, you know, so the fear, fire, foes are, you know, three sustained, uh, equal length notes, Right, but the awake is the uh, is the uh, the 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 call. Yeah, exactly. Like military uh, bugles, each tune means something different. Horn calls. I mean, hunting horns. They're they're. I mean, goodness. Oh my my boy. The the like medievals had so many different terminologies. There's so many, like you you sound the different. There are all these different horn calls that you sound uh, on a hunt. Right for when you found the deer and when you've cornered the deer and when the deer has been killed. Right and all these things. Um, you know. So um, uh, th- this is uh, this yeah this th- this is like that. This is a specific call, and you can see it's consistent. Right, the core of it is the fear, fire, foes. Those three sustained notes. Um, um, anyway, it's really, it's really cool. Uh, I, I love how we can, and then you know, with the the bold and the all caps, you can you get that sense of the the shocking suddenness of the sound breaking across the night of Buckland. Right, it's uh, it's. It's pretty cool. And Tiber, I don't think they, it's not that they haven't blown the horn at all. I don't think they're out of practice, right? I don't think it's been a hundred years since anyone has blown a horn. It's been a hundred years since they've blown that horn call under these circumstances. And I'm betting, by the way, that they practice it. Um, everybody knows it. It's been a hundred years, which means that the majority of people who are ambulatory here in Buckland uh, don't remember it ever being called, but they all know what it means. So I think it's fairly clear um, that this is a thing that they practice uh, so that they know, you know, in case it is ever needed. The point is, it's never been needed. It's never been blown in earnest. Kind of like, you know, the fire alarm at your school never actually going off for a fire, right? But you've heard, you've had the fire drills, so you know what it sounds like. Um, do they have old forest invasion drills? JJ, I, you know, yeah, like, you know, what what do you do? Do you get under your desk? You know, do you go to the root cellar? You know, do you stand in a doorway? I don't know what you do. Do you, do, do you breathe into a bag? I don't know what you do when there's an old forest invasion. Uh, but they clearly, I think they must have fear, fire, foes drills, um, Oakwig. And I would totally include that, by the way, uh, in one of the Hobbit festivals uh, in Lotra. It's a little suggestion that I would make the fear, fire, foes drill, right? So that they all know what it means and how to do it. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, 
Bruner says he would think that the horn would have been sounded when the trees attacked the hedge. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Um, but that was a while back. I, that was probably more than a hundred years ago. Um, uh, the, so the the wolves attacking across the frozen brandywine was probably more recent uh, than that. Um, anyway, cool. Yeah, no, exactly. Those of you like those of you who live in the Midwest and have the you know the 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 tornado sirens, right? The, do they have? Do they do anything for earthquakes? You don't. You don't. You can't. You don't really do an earthquake siren, do you? I mean, I don't live in. I don't live in an earthquake earthquake place. I don't live in a tornado place, so I'm unfamiliar. The only thing we get around here uh, in the Northeast are, you know, the the fire horn. You know, for like to call in the the volunteer firemen, but. Um, but yeah, okay, no, so there's no, there's no public announcement for, yeah, because pr- presumably if an earthquake is happening, you already know about it, right? You don't really need to be alerted, uh, that it's, that it's, that it's going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah, so, um, uh, nu- nuclear meltdown sirens. Well, there you go, Lincoln. That's exactly, that's exactly the sort of thing. Um, but, uh. But yeah, of course, yeah, you would have drills, of course, for earthquakes and things like that. Anyhow, so that seems to be what's so... But the, they, they are ready, right? Surprisingly ready, as once again, hobbits are being underestimated, right? Um, as soon as they suspect that a strange invasion is coming from the old forest, what do they do? They don't panic, right? They don't start screaming and running in circles. Uh, they call the alarm, right, to alert everybody. And look at the Black Riders. Awake! Awake! Far away, answering horns were heard. The alarm was spreading. The black figures fled from the house. One of them let fall a hobbit cloak on the step as he ran. In the lane, the noise of hoofs broke out, and gathering to a gallop, went hammering away into the darkness. All about Crick Hollow, there was the sound of horns blowing, and voices crying, and feet running. But the Black Riders rode like a gale to the north gate. Let the little people blow. Sauron would deal with them later. Meanwhile, they had another errand. They knew now that the house was empty and the ring had gone. They rode down the guards at the gate and vanished from the Shire. Okay, so some hobbits were harmed uh, in the uh, defense of Buckland. Right, the guards at the gate are written down. Are they killed? Uh, we don't know. It seems quite probable that they were. Um, but notice, even that is not the Nazgul attacking hobbits. Right? Yeah. JJ says, didn't Frodo say that he sometimes felt that an invasion might be good for the hobbits? He was picturing an invasion of dragons, but this will probably do. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So. What do the hobbits do? The hobbits converge on Crick Hollow, right? Um, they 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 come in to attack and beat off. What just as they responded to the wolves, just as they responded to the trees when the trees attacked the hedge, right? They didn't panic. They didn't run away. They fought back, and they're prepared, right? They're prepared to fight back against the Black Riders. And notice what the Black Riders do: they run, right? They run like crazy. When they were attacking their enemy, right, when they felt that they were closing in, possibly, on the one ring, they were super slow. They moved like shadows creeping across a lawn, right? They stood at the door before even knocking, right, uh, for a long time. Uh, The night is deepening while they're just standing there. They flee from the house, right? They gallop 
away on their horses, no more stealthy leading, right? And they go hammering away into the darkness. Um, they uh, ride like a gale to the North Gate. Um, so why? Why do they do this? Are they in danger? In one sense, I don't think they're in, I don't think they're going to get destroyed. You know, I don't think that if they stuck it out and went toe to toe with the hobbits of Buckland, that the hobbits of Buckland would kill them all or something. Right. That's not, um, that's not it. Uh, And by the way, I don't think that there is there fire. Do the hobbits have? Hang on, I'm gonna go back here. Um, t- there's the fire is mentioned, but I think the fire in the in the horn call doesn't refer to like it's not like bring your torches. That's like there's a fire. This would be like if the if Buckland were on fire, they would also do this horn call, right? Fear, fire, foes is kind of a catch-all. Right. Uh, it's like there might be enemies. Something might be on fire. Anyway, people are afraid. The point is, wake up and do something. Right. Because it's a general alarm. Um, but I, do we get did I miss it? Did I get it? I don't think we get any references to it rent the night like fire on a hilltop. Right. So it's compared to fire on a hilltop like uh, a beacon. Right. For instance, something like a beacon is kind of like what the horn call was like. It's like a big fire on a hilltop that everybody can see, just in case that makes you think of anything that happens later on, like in the general ministerial area, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, Belongsman, I'm sure that there are torches, but we don't hear any described, right? Enough that I don't think that there's any reason to think that there is like a, a sort of practical explanation for why they're fleeing. They're not fleeing because they're, um, they're not fleeing because they're, they're under assault because they are themselves afraid. They're leaving expeditiously because they're done here, right? They know the ring is gone. Um, or if that dude who is in the house had it, they missed him, right? Um, but they, uh, but yeah, exactly. Why why waste time with all those hobbits? Yes. Um, they've been foiled and are getting out of there because what they're looking for isn't there. Yes. But they leave with great expedition, right? There is a significant quantity of haste underlying their departure here, right? Um, I've got to think that this kind of this is not this is not how they operate if the hobbits descended on them there right you know i mean if the if the black riders come running out of the house at crick hollow and rush over to their horses only to find torch-bearing hobbits swarming over the walls and like surrounding them at crick hollow um you know, would they be, I mean, what, what would I, frankly, I don't think they would fight even then. I think they'd break out. Um, the Nazgul would not be killed by the hobbits, but again, stay and fight. That's not what they're going to do. That's not what they're designed for. Not at this point. Anyway, certainly. Um, it sounds like an attack by Ewoks. Lincoln says, yeah, kind of like that. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, um, I think that they are, 
they are in in a real sense they are being scared away they're being driven out of buckland they don't stand up to this kind of thing this isn't how they you know in darkness and loneliness they are strongest it's still kind of dark but it is not lonely any longer right um as the entire community comes up in arms against them um uh it, it's they have to run uh, they're not going to stand again they're not like you know they're not like uh unbeatable um you know they're not like roving threats in lotro like some massively overpowered creature that could stand and would not blink an eye or even notice if a swarm of hobbits tried to attack it right um well i know some of you probably could bring together a swarm of hobbits that would take down a roving threat but you see what i mean right if the uh if the people from the streets of newberry and buckleberry you know got together and tried to attack a roving threat the roving threat would scarcely notice right that's not how things work here they are really threatened this is the power of the Shire, Tony, the community, their love of home, the spirit. Remember, it's a spiritual battle and the spirit with which the hobbits react is exactly the spirit to counter the spiritual assault of the Black Riders, which is about fear, paralyzing terror, right? That sense of loneliness and helplessness and despair, right? That's the spiritual attack that they are utilizing. And that spiritual attack is being very effectually countered by the community spirit of the hobbits rising up, joining together, sounding out their horn calls, uh, and, and coming together to defy the enemy, whatever unknown, mysterious, possibly freakish and monstrous enemy has crept out of the old forest to invade their town. They're not going to stand for it and they're going to do something about it and that is belongs bond exactly the communal spiritual defense that is going to the Nazgul can't stand against that not here they're not strong enough right later on in the return of the king they're going to get an upgrade right and when they get upgraded they're going to be able to bring that kind of thing to an entire community we will see Minas Tirith brought almost to its knees right um, a, a community which is attempting to rise up and resist the enemy. And they are going to be almost beaten down by the Nazgul flying overhead, right? By the same kind of spiritual attack that the Nazgul are making. But they're, A, not that strong yet. They, they will be changed between now and then. That hasn't happened yet. And B, they're really far from their home base. They are weak. They can't take it. So, so, are, so yes, I, so... It's just kind of time for them to go, and they're done with with Buckland. Definitely true, but they are driven away uh, in this way. Um, and Lincoln, I agree. It may also, you know, does Minas Tirith have the kind of deep love of home and feeling of community that the Shire does? Not in the same way, though. Lincoln, I can't help but remember Faramir's speeches about Minas Tirith, right, uh, and his love for for uh, for the city. Um, they have some of that, right? It's totally. It's not. It's not, uh, it's not absent in Minas Tirith, but you know, uh, in this way, Buckleberry, you know, Buckland might rival it. Uh, I think um, it does. It seems to me not impossible that Buckland is stronger than Minas Tirith in this way. Especially, I would add, Minas Tirith 
under Denethor. But remember also, that's like what the Dawnless Day is doing, right? I mean, the whole, the, this big picture spiritual assault that is happening, uh, of which the Nazgul are just kind of the, the focal points, right, is designed to dampen the spirit. What would have happened had, you know, Buckland been experiencing the Dawnless Day and the Nazgul flying overhead? I don't like to think, right? Um, would it have held out? Maybe just as well, maybe better, who knows? But, um, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it's not put to exactly that, uh, uh, that, that kind of test anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know that we need to make invidious distinctions between Minas Tirith and Buckland, but, but again, this is, this is a successful defense. And again, it's not about the weapons. It's not even about, you know, fire resistance and, and, you know, the Nazgul being uh, vulnerable to fire damage or something like that. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's about, the successful repulsion of that spiritual assault. Um, and I agree. Um, oh, wait, sorry. I'm like, wait, where is that passage? Oh, cause I moved backwards already. Um, Tom mentioned it. A couple of you were also talking about it on the discussion board. The fascinating moment when we get a Nazgul point of view, uh, in this paragraph briefly, right? But the Black Riders rode like a gale to the north gate. Let the little people blow. Sauron would deal with them later. Meanwhile, they had another errand. They knew now that the house was empty and the ring had gone. They rode down the guards at the gate and vanished from the Shire. Um, two points here. Well, okay, more than two. First point here. Coming back to the... Um, Coming back to the uh, original point we were making about sniffing before, and could they sm- sniff the ring or sense the presence of the ring? Um, they sound very. Uh, uh, they sound certain that the ring is gone. They like they've proven that the ring is not there anymore. Um, that's not obvious on the surface of it. They knew there was a hobbit in there. The hobbit that was in there escaped. Um, and now they're being driven away by the community uprising, right? Does that mean that, I mean, logically, that dude could have had the ring, right? Which means the ring. So are they just kind of trying to convince themselves because they missed it, right? And they don't want to go back because they're, because they're spooked? I don't think so. Um, but they seem very... They seem very definite, right? So I got to think the way that that sounds, they knew now that the house was empty and the ring had gone. Um, the ring had gone. I, it sounds like they can sense that it's not anywhere around. I don't really know for sure. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know for sure whether or not, uh, they, that, that means that they can sense it. You know, they can kind of smell that the ring isn't there. They don't detect anything of its presence anywhere around there. You know, if, if it does have a kind of spiritual scent that they can follow, that scent has gone cold. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Amali. It says that they knew that it was gone, not that they guessed or presumed. It's, it, they sound very sure that the ring is gone, which again, logically doesn't make sense if they're only going by what they've seen, um, because there was somebody there, right? 
Um, and uh, so he could, again, logically, he could have had the ring and could still be around. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, good. Marion is, of course, remembering uh, Aragorn's words later on that the ring draws them, right? So now that's when it's physically present and they're near to it. Um but again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I, I can't be a hundred percent certain. Um, but my basic reading of this passage would be that they now, they can tell for sure, the ring is not in Buckland. They now have definite information about that. It's not just that they took a shot and missed, right? Um, and are trying to cover up the fact that they can't prove that it's not, and, and they're just hoping it's not in Buckland. I don't think that that's the case. Um, so they must be able to somehow sense or detect that the ring the, the, the scent is cold it's not there, definitely um, again, even riding down the guards at the gates they're doing harm to hobbits there uh, clearly, I, 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 those hobbits probably killed they might not be, I mean clearly what happened is the Black Riders are galloping up the road towards the gate the gate guards jump in front of them to try to stop them, right, and they just run them over um, were they actually trampled by the horses and killed, were they knocked aside and survived you know, were they, you know knocked down and they I mean, they have to have been hurt, right, I doubt uh, that the, again I think some hobbits were harmed uh, in this escape it doesn't say that they were killed necessarily, um, but um, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, I even there, right? They're not attacking the hobbits; they're just plowing through the hobbits. Um, it's their desire to run away as fast as possible that leads to the harming of the only hobbits that are harmed. Um, yeah, um, Catron is thinking, you know, it probably would have been mentioned if the guards had actually died. Um, quite possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't see any reason to believe that there were necessarily hobbit fatalities here. Um, but it's clear that there was violence perpetrated against hobbits in that one moment, right? That we do have, uh, uh, we do have some pretty, uh, um, uh, we do have some pretty good evidence, uh, uh, for that, I think, pretty clearly. Um, now, the point of view thing. I see several of you speculating about that. Where does that come from? How do we know what the Black Riders are thinking? Um, the last two sentences. Meanwhile, they had another errand. They knew now that the house was empty and the ring had gone. They rode down the guards at the gate and vanished from the Shire. That last is an observation. The second to last sentence uh, is a logical conclusion, right? Why are they leaving, right? What conclusions are they drawing? You know, what have the Nazgul learned from this evening's activity? Uh, somebody who knew what happened and knew the whole story would be able to figure that out. The really striking sentences, right, are let the little people blow, Sauron would deal with them later, right? That's a pure point of view, um, uh, t telling us what the Nazgul were thinking to themselves as they rode out of the Shire. Um, I don't think that there is any reason to believe that this is a first-hand account. 
I can't imagine any mechanism for the actual gathering of this information by anybody. Um, this has to be speculation. Nobody interviewed a Nazgul later on, right? No one was like, so tell me, you know, Kamal, how did you feel on this evening? You know, when you were leaving of the Shire, you know what? That didn't happen, right? No one ever interviewed the Nazgul about this, and nobody other than the Nazgul would know uh, what they were thinking uh, when they left like this. Um, so this has to be a kind of poetic license. This has to be extrapolation um, by uh, the narrator. Which narrator? So we have at least three candidates. More than that, really. Uh, but I'm lumping into one candidate, the immediate Hobbit narrators, right? Uh, like Frodo and Sam. I'm kind of combining here. Um, so we have like the Hobbit authors of the Red Book, one. We have Findegill, as several of you were talking about, right? Findegill, King's writer, uh, who copied the Red Book of Perianoth for the king, right? Um and added some stuff to it, we know. Uh, so this could be a uh, Gondorian extrapolation added to it afterwards. Or it could be the modern narrator, as we've had several examples of the modern translator of this text, who is speaking to us, the modern readers of the translation, not the contemporary narrator speaking to the contemporary readers of this account. Right? Um, Ah, Tom points out that he doesn't think that Findigil would have used Sauron's name. Now, the naming of Sauron, uh, uh, he does not allow his name to be spelt or spoken, right? So um, the Nazgul wouldn't be saying that aloud. Uh, that is interesting, Tom, uh, uh, that they don't name Sauron in Gondor, so he probably wouldn't do that. Um, uh, yes, and exactly, Mike, that does answer the earlier question of why a Nazgul would use the name Sauron. He didn't uh, use that name. Um, by the way, why does Sauron not permit his name to be spelt or spoken? Because it's an insult. Um, uh, that's not like his, his mommy didn't name him Sauron, right? That's not uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's it's a name given to him by the, it's like Morgoth, basically. Um, it's um uh, it's, it's, it's an insult to, uh, uh, his, he, he, that was, again, that's not his original name. Um, so that's why Sauron doesn't like being named. That's why Morgoth doesn't use the name Morgoth. He uses the name Melkor, just as Sauron uses it when he names Melkor to the Numenorians, right? Um, but, uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, exactly. How many times have I told you to call me Myron, right? Which is the name that Sauron is given originally later on. He's not given that name for a while down the road. Um, but yes, Sauron is a name given to him. It's an elvish name given to him by the elves um, uh, in scorn and hatred. So um, anyhow, okay. So um, so he doesn't use that name. He doesn't allow his servants to use it. It's true. Uh, who was just saying that this is uh, right? Bricktails was saying that it is before the fall of Sauron that the Gondorians won't use his name. Maybe they do begin using it after the fact. That does actually seem to me possible. Um, I like those. Um, 
it still kind of seems to me that it would be a little bit unlikely. So perhaps a Gondorian scribe wouldn't shy away from using it under, like, proper circumstances. Um, that is, he wouldn't cover it up or something when someone, like, like when they're talking about Sauron at the Council of Elrond, you know, he's not going to be so scrupulous about that that in his copy he's going to, you know, ha- like cross out Sauron and include, you know, he who must not be named uh, in the mouth of Elrond every time he, you know, says the name in, uh, in the Council of Elrond. So obviously I don't think it's going to be an issue like that. Um, but I'm not sure he'd go out of his way to use it this way either um, because it's not – you don't have to use it here, Right. If you were a Gondorian who were still a little bit uncomfortable using the name, you could totally get away without using it here, right? Um, J.J., the messenger before the Black Gate, does use his name. Um, and that's interesting. And we'll get to that. Um, that's really fascinating, actually. Uh, the speech of the mouth of Sauron. It's one of the things that is particularly interesting about the speech of the mouth of Sauron. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Eventually. Eventually. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, long before, long before, I think, the year 2030, we'll get there. Um, but anyhow, okay. Um, let the little people blow. Sauron would deal with them later. I think that... So my vote, if I had to vote, I think that those lines are written by Frodo. Um, remember... <laughs> And in particular, this, the reason I think this is the reason, here's my reason for guessing that that's Frodo. It sounds to me, there's a, there's a distant echo of Gandalf's words to Frodo in chapter two, um, when he talks about the danger to the Shire, right? And how Sauron may turn his attention to the, you know, there is such a thing as malice and revenge, right? Um, that the kind of, and remember Frodo has a very strong reaction to that idea. And part of the thing that inspires him to say that he must leave the Shire, uh, is his desire to prevent, um, the malice of Sauron being turned against the Shire. Um, so this idea of the ominous, like the day of reckoning shall come when, you know, the dark Lord will turn his attention, uh, to the, uh, to the halflings, um, See, I, I'm not saying that that you know the fact that Gandalf said something like that to Frodo proves that Frodo must have been the one to say it. Um, but the echo of that makes me think that it's kind of a Frodoian. Fro- what would be the adjective? Frodovian. We have to put in a, a consonant, wouldn't we? Kind of a Frodovian touch uh, as a narrator there uh, to kind of have that to give when he's speculating the point of view of the Nazgul to kind of put into their thoughts, to put it, to articulate their thoughts in terms that are kind of at least similar to the ones that Gandalf used when Gandalf was telling him what the enemy would do. Frodonian. Yeah. Frodonian. I think the N would be it. Frodonian. I like that. That's a fun word. That's the word of the day. Frodonian. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and Mike, it also does make sense to me that they would put little people in the mouths of outsiders, right? That, that they, Frodo would imagine the, the Nazgul thinking, let the little people blow. Um, but I love how this, um, I love how this, um, also captures the arrogance of the Black Riders, right? To me, that first line, let the little people blow, 
conveys a lot of, we are totally not fleeing in panic right now, right? I want to make it perfectly clear that it is not that we are being driven. We are not being driven out of Buckland. We are leaving just because we're done here and want to be somewhere else very soon because we're on a schedule. So uh, this is not me running away. This is me leaving because it was my idea to leave. And I've got, a, I've got, a, I've, I've got an appointment, right? Um, the way that they, like the, the Nazgul kind of saving face to themselves, right? So capturing this sort of cold arrogance uh, of the Nazgul, the scorn for the hobbits at the same time that they're running away from them. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can totally take you all without breaking a sweat, uh, but we have places to be and can't be bothered. Exactly, Katriana. That's exactly it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Brickdale says, you didn't break up with me, I'm breaking up with you. Yeah, it's almost that kind of spirit, right? Um, uh, yeah, and exactly, Tony. The ego, the pride, their very high opinions of themselves is part of why they were captured by the rings in the first place. Um, but again, this is another place actually where uh, uh, our study of the history of the Lord of the Rings. And again, I can't recommend this too strongly. I know I've known many Tolkien fans who are nervous about re- who don't really want to read these books. Like they don't want to kind of you know. Uh, like that it'll it'll sort of spoil the magic uh, to kind of, you know, look beneath the surface and sort of see how all these things came about. Um, I've got a really yeah, don't, don't learn how the sausage was made. Exactly. Boomful. I know a lot of people have that that kind of reaction. Um, I, 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 I can't recommend it enough, though. I, I find that my own understanding of the Lord of the Rings has been so deeply enriched um, by this study of the history of the Lord of the Rings that we've been doing in the Mythgard Academy. Again, we're like three quarters of the way or more through the War of the Ring now. Uh, we're getting we're getting pretty close to the end of it. Um, so I get it's, you know, I strongly recommend it. you go back and watch it, listen to it anytime. It's on the Mythgard Academy podcast feed. Uh, it's on YouTube and the Mythgard Academy playlists. Uh, uh, Return of the Shadow, Treason of Isengard, and now the War of the Ring. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really just amazing. Just learning how Tolkien thinks, seeing how this stuff comes out. Uh, it is, it, I agree, Blue Wizard, it really does make you, uh, appreciate the published works more, uh, I think. But here's the relevant point from, uh, from that, from the Return of the Shadow that I wanted to bring in here. Um, based on what we see in the early drafts of this passage, we know for a fact that they're being run out of town because, from the very first draft, the Nazgul are galloping away, being pursued. The first time they are running out of town, being pursued, they are running out of town, being pursued by Gandalf throwing lightning bolts. Gandalf is there, right? Gandalf arrives at Crick Hollow right after they arrive, uh, and they run away from him. And he's, he's literally chucking lightning bolts at them. Uh, and they're like dashing in terror as Gandalf is running them out of the Shire. Okay. So they're no longer running from a lightning bolt throwing Gandalf anymore. And it is one of Gandalf's coolest action scenes ever. I got to tell you. Um, uh, so, and so, as Tolkien revises this, he, you know, a lot of it has to do with the chronology. Gandalf's not there yet. So, you know, he, he's, he's delaying Gandalf's arrival. So Gandalf doesn't get there in the nick of time anymore. Um, and that's part of why he made that change. But 
the one thing that doesn't change about this scene is the flight of the, the highly expeditious flight of the Nazgul. Um, and I think it is, yeah, sheaf of lightning, Tony. That was it, right? Yeah. He, he, he has a, he throws a sheaf of lightning, uh, at, uh, uh, at the, he doesn't have a single bolt. He has an entire sheaf of lightning, uh, that he unleashes, uh, on the Black Riders. Anyway, um, it, it's the fact that Tolkien, as he revised this, decides, okay, so he decides Gandalf isn't there, right? So we're not going to have Gandalf chase him away. Um, but we're still going to have him run, and we're going to replace Gandalf with the community, right? With the Bucklanders themselves. That is awesome, right? It is, and it just puts into really sharp relief. Okay, just in case you want to just in case you might be tempted to buy what the Nazgul are selling here, right? In this little point of view, um, in this point of view passage, um, uh, then uh, uh, you could say, no, no, it's not. They're just, they're rationalizing, right? They're trying to convince themselves that, uh, you know, again, you're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you, right? You're not chasing us away. We just happen to be leaving very fast. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's really, it's, it's really, really cool stuff. So, um, so yeah, I highly recommend it, uh, uh, belongs mind. And again, I'm not saying that like, you know, uh, you know, my reading of those books is absolutely essential, but if you want to go through, we go through chapter by chapter through the whole thing. Um, so get, get a copy of the return of the shadow, the treason of Isengard, the war of the ring, and there's some extra stuff too, which we'll get to next, presumably. And, um, We'll, and, and you can, you can, you know, watch and listen along if you want to, if you want to hear our, our discussion as we go through. Uh, and, uh, you know, that can kind of, it's, it's all, all the fun. You get the fun of Bingo Baggins and Trotter the Hobbit with wooden shoes and, and, uh, and you get, uh, of, and of course the disappearing and reappearing Odo, you know, the most persistent Hobbit ever. Odo, uh, Odo took slash Boffin slash, uh, Bulger. Um, anyway, yeah. Really, really good. Um, but, uh, so good. So again, yeah. Odo oh, no, is a bit of a shapeshifter for Thoughtless. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's absolutely true. I think it's where they got the idea. Um, yeah. Oh, JJ, exactly. You'll get the Gandalfs talking smack to Sauron's face at the Black Gate, right? I mean, that is Gandalf at his, uh, uh, at his highest point. That's, um, that that's in the war of the ring. We just did that like the week before last. Um, but, uh, yeah, so much, so much good stuff. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend that if you want to jump in, you can still uh, catch up with us. We're doing the, the battle of Pelennor field and the, uh, death of Theoden and the conflict with the witch King and stuff. We're doing that tomorrow night. So, uh, you can still join us. Uh, oh, and the ride of the here, the advent of Han Buri Han and the, the woes right. The woes get introduced. Uh, uh, we're, we're looking at the, where they start from, which is running away from Ents taking baths. Trust me, it works. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, Treebeard starts uh, uh, um, threateningly bathing himself, and the Wozes run screaming. It's fun. Um, you can't make this stuff up. So it's all good. It's, it's all great. Strongly recommend it. And I should probably. So I was just about to go on back to Bree. But that's okay. My goal was to get through these first four passages, actually, uh, talking about the Black Riders at Crick Hollow. And, and again, I think, although, as I said at the beginning, 
for years, this scene threw me off, right? I mean, the, like getting this home invasion by the Nazgul and then juxtaposing it with waking up at the Prancing Pony the next morning and like a home invasion is a world, like a, a hotel invasion has happened at the Prancing Pony. Um, you know, I, I misled me for years into assuming, again, even before Peter Jackson uh, perpetrated uh, this confusion upon generations of Tolkien fans, um, that uh, that that the Nazgul had in fact invaded the Prancing Pony. As we look at it more closely and begin to see more, uh, we learn so much about the Nazgul in this passage, don't we? When you really pay attention to it. And, and and for me, having looked at this passage really closely, it makes it so much easier to understand why they don't attack the prancing pony right you can see how that's why that's really not their bag um but anyway okay so uh uh i'm gonna uh i'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna end our book discussion there it is time for our field for our special field trip tonight um so I'm going to say goodbye to the folks on Twitter. Thanks, everybody, for joining us up here. Uh, and, oh, wait, I should say, I should say, next week is uncertain. I'm traveling next week. I might be able to broadcast next week, but I'm really not sure how it's going to work. Um, I might not be able to meet next Tuesday night. Well, I'll see what I can do, but I'm not 100% sure that it's going to be able to happen. Uh, Lincoln, I will, uh, I'll, I'll definitely tweet about it. Uh, and we'll post, um, we'll post some stuff on, uh, discord and, and, uh, uh, and Twitch as well, I think. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. I think I can, I think I can do it. Um, but we'll see what we can do. I've done it before. Uh, I'm going back to the, I'm going to be in the place that, from which I broadcast before that looks like a prison cell. I'm going back to my prison cell uh, uh, next week. Same prison cell I've been in uh, almost every June for, for the last five years or so. Um, but my broadcasting is a little more complicated now than it was. So I'm, I'm going to see. We should be able to, uh, we should be able to, to, to work it out. But Thanks, everybody. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say goodnight to the, the Twitter folks. Hope to see you guys next week, but not 100% sure. And I will, uh, uh, and then we're going to switch over to Twitch only. All right. So, okay, great. So it's field trip time. Let's retire. Here we go. All right. Hello there. Hey there. Okay. So, okay. So tonight, the theme of our field trip. We are going to go all the way to Breland. That's where we're going. <laughs> uh, because, of course, I know we already covered Breland and we did a lot of exploring around Bree. Um, but, but, um, they've changed it. So just today, uh, they changed, you know, they, they, to those of you in the game who are currently with us in the game, know full well, uh, they just did a major update. Well, not a major, major update, but they did a reasonably big update, uh, to pretty, the game. Pretty today. big update. Yeah. And long awaited. And long awaited. Yes. Uh, and the thing that, one of the things that they did was they changed a lot of the terrain around Breland. Many of the things that we were looking at before. Um, and I've heard some, uh, really fun things about it so i want to yeah wanna explore. i'm excited um it's unfortunate you know i'm looking at the release dates and the only thing they say is the older regions of breland and arid lewin have had some landscape updates landscape and updates they, they kind of want you to explore i think okay 
Well, let's go about. Let's see what we can do. So first, I want to head up because I've heard I've heard one rumor, uh, which I want to substantiate. The the one. Th- well, let me do first the thing I'm most excited about. Because yeah. I have heard. So you'll remember when we were exploring Brie Hill, we were looking at the at like the topology topography rather of Brie. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And we were exploring up to that watchtower up above, and we were thinking about Bree Hill and how the you know the town is described as being on the hill, but it's really like under the hill here in the game. Um, under the hill and over the hill, and yes, exactly. <laughs> we so, went we went to every place we could go on that hill. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, I really wanted to see. Oh, and it's dark. Darn it! What's the in-game time? Uh, let's see. It is late watches. Late watches. Okay, good. Which means nothing to me. Well, that means it's going to be dawn before too long. So, yeah, but it's not for dawn. <laughs> no, it's not for dawn yet, but it's getting there. Okay. At okay. least it's not. At least it hasn't just turned night. So that means I mean, it should be. We could be... do something else while we're waiting for the hill. But exactly. Okay. So, but anyway, so I've heard that you can get up on the hill behind the prancing pony. Which I'm really keen uh, to do. So, can, do you go up this way? Uh, well, can you go up the... I don't know. Can you I have no the, idea. Let's see. Kiriana, where do we go? This way? We can go this way? I'm following you. Uh, no, you're just riding around in circles. Okay, it is, no yeah. It's... Okay. All right. So I, I'm going to try... Let's go as far as we uh, know how to go, which is up the path around yeah. this way. Right? Oh, it's different now. Whoa! I'm not going around in circles. I know where I'm going. You know right? where you're going? Yeah. I went out uh, and around up the hill. Okay. All right. Here you are. Okay. All right. Well, see, I, when I first started following you, Others. you like led me right into a cliff. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, up here, up here, up here. Ah. Ah, this is this is new terrain altogether. Yes. And don't go on the rock closest to the edge. It's not exactly sturdy. Oh, no, yeah? it's it's a Star Wars ledge. Oh, I see. Let's see. Uh, I think we should just ride up here around the ridge. Okay. Yeah. We'll oh, keep going over here. All right. Yeah. Okay. Up here. Oh. Yeah, but don't get to the edge. Oh my goodness. Yeah, right oh. where I am as Phoenix. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, the stone next spot. to me is not solid. Yeah. What? What do you fall through? Yeah, probably or it. get stuck. Oh, I think I just did. Oh. <laughs> you just flip it around, but yeah, Oops. where I am is uh, okay. Safe. So, yeah. all right, I was trying to stand next to you, but that failed. So let me come. L- let me come around again. Yes, that is exactly where I'd wanted to go. Hang on, can I get up this way? Mm, almost. Yes, I can get back to the tower. Okay, all right, I'm coming back around. <laughs> Come back around. Okay. All right. I helped oh, scenario yep. the developer who did the update for us. Very, very awesome dude. Very responsive. And I found out until he fixed it that you could actually escape the arch at starting instance with a level one character. Which really? I prompt, yeah, which I promptly ran as far as I could to Rivendell and died in the troll shots. It was amazing. What killed wow. you in the troll shots? Uh, something in the landscape. I didn't actually see what it was. Probably a deer. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Probably actually, it was like a updated. squirrel or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm back. Okay. All also, right. some good news for our uh, minstrel friends over there. You can now cosmetically equip your instruments on your back. That is. Yeah. Awesome. Go take a look at Pont yeah. and Finberry wearing his loot on his back. Like yeah. A- Let me saw see. That Which one? 
Oh, yeah. Where? Okay. All right. Oh, so this is just what I wanted to see. It looks so a great up here. Panoramic view of Breetown. And there's the prancing pony right under the hill. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I can hear Chance Thomas music in my head, and my sound isn't turned on even. Oh, it's just man. so beautiful. Or also, um, Darth Celtics, uh, the in house composer, has done a lot of the background music, like in the Belfast. Oh, yeah. And all the Northern Merkwood stuff is uh, Bill Champagne is his real name. He did all that. Very cool. Great. He's also QA, so he fixes things for us, too. I need, like, like the giant, you know, SoundCloud playlist of everything. That would be so cool. (laughs) This is really... uh, I can help you with that, Glory. Ah, yes. You can really see how big... um, You can really see how big Breetown is from here. I mean, it's really... That's really neat. And I love looking down on the tower from up here so that you can see uh, where the, the the situation of the Numenorean watchtower uh, above yeah. and from here. So let's see. How much can we see? All right, I well, there's no more ruins over here either. So they didn't I add any of those. looking for ruins. Did they change many of the ruins? Uh, I can't Not think so. I mean... The other ruins are on the outer wall, which we wouldn't be able to see from here. Right. Okay. I think it's cool. We get to see that little stable yard at the Prancing Pony from above. So yes. And now from here, we can see the relative situation. There's, is that Bronwyn's fo- folly over there? Um, oh, yeah. Where Gosh, I... you can see Archit. Yeah. Yeah. You can ride down into Archit without falling down a cliff now. Really? Yes. And ride out. <laughs> so cool awesome yeah you can it's that's a, a wonderful innovation to be able to really get the situation of the the four villages all right mm-hmm. i see i'm seeing a i'm seeing a ruin yeah i think that's, that's kind of ruined that one plot line about not being able to get out to get help though no they, they, you still can't oh Okay. Oh, that Big is mean neat. Yeah. Okay, so that's Coom, that's the in it, that's the the Coman Waddle, right? Uh-huh. That we're seeing there. Um on the other side of the hill. Yeah. Oop, here I go. I think so. I'm now looking, yes, where am I? Let's see. Yeah. Following my mini map, I'm looking at Staddle. I wonder if the doctor's office is like right below here. Looking towards the apothecaries. Right, the apothecary. I think they moved his house a little bit. I did not look, actually. Oh. What about those ruins you can't get to in Archit? I always wanted to take a look from there. It's I wonder there? if we can get to them now. Huh. You want to see if we can get to them? Yeah. Well, let's let's go down to Archit. Yeah, okay. Let's do this thing. Let's ride down to Archit from the top of Blue Hill. That is so <laughs> cool. Okay, so we just come down this way, right? Uh-huh. Oh, the grass is so three-dimensional. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, okay, th- so this is the pond where the dogs are over here. Yeah. Oh, really? That's where we are? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, this I know, it doesn't even look blows like it's my sense anymore. of direction. Oh, wow. Yeah, look, there we are, right at the... Oh, wow. That is crazy. Oh, yeah, they did move the apothecary house. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. We centered this a bit. 
Okay, so wow. this is what I was looking at. And it is the Komen Waddle. Ha, I was right. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. Excellent. Wow, that is so cool. Um, so now let's head up to let's head up to Archit. Oh look, you can get to the ruins now. Check it out. Wait, where, where? Where? Which, up the sideway. Which direction? Yeah. Follow me. Follow me, dude. Over here. Oh, I can see which one like, you are. Like you're going up to Archit, but you're taking the side path oh, instead. Oh, those ruins. These ruins. I could oh it's I, for the longest time I thought it was part of the Breland ruin you right, know. Because we were never so. able to leave the road there like we just did, right? Yeah, we were I know. never able to, to ride across this particular terrain. Hello, seven pointed star. That's right. Look at these classic Arnorian ruins. There we go. <laughs> I've always wanted to get up here. Although, woe betide the, the level one that makes his way up here. He's going to be stuck in North Downs with the Orc uh, stuff over there. Oh, I didn't quite make my jump there. Trying to make it oh. over to that platform. <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost, almost. Nope, nope, nope. I'm stuck in the corner. <laughs> uh, what if you can go around the other side? I don't know. I'm going to get a running start. No, no, no. Nah, the wall's too high over here. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, I guess I'll just look out from here. Okay, so... Still pretty dang cool. It is. Yeah, mostly what he's done is, for places that shouldn't be passable, I like your level ones who are in the starting instance, there's obstacles, visible obstacles, that show you, uh, well, you can't go through there's bushes and whatever. And we cleaned up all of the uh, um, the invisible walls as best we could. Yeah, I say really. We, like, I had anything to do. I just reported them and he fixed them. Uh-huh. That is cool. Okay, so now here we descend back down into the dale. So that was Bronwyn's folly over there. Yeah. Uh huh. I can't wait till you guys see the black wool dress roost. Awesome. I want to see black wool dress. Okay, yeah. let's go. Did they change this road? Um, a little bit. Yeah, it's. I do feel like I'm. I'm you know, I'm just like a little turned around a bit. But the, yeah, the, folly this, looks pretty much the same. Were there always this many columns? Um, don't know. I don't remember it being uh, quite so columny. I remember it being more platformy and less columny than. It's still plenty is. platformy. I know that like the, yeah, the platforms are all here. still there. The stairs yeah, and platforms. Yeah, it's the same as it was before. They didn't actually update that. It is no. <laughs> yeah, most Phantom of the columns. stuff that he was working on was actually just the actual physical ground landscape sort of things. Right, not actual mm-hmm. like buildings and stuff. Well, look how 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 nice the grass texture is now. Yeah, yeah. We got all these bush and brush. Oh, and I have to admit, here. you know. When I heard that they were going to be doing landscape updates, that's what I kind of expected. You know, like the last time they did that, mm-hmm. when we got the cosmetic upgrades in Brie and Rivendell and everywhere else, right? Mm-hmm. I was expecting there to be more flowers and it to look prettier, but yeah. I was so not... Yeah, the trees e- in the pond. Yeah. I was not expecting... Oh, Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I know. This is great with the reeds over here. It's so clean rendering, Look too. I'm oh, so well, glad I used to barely the... even see the Hunter's Lodge anymore. 
like a proper hunter's lodge. Now it's like a proper duck blind, isn't it? <laughs> right. Oh my goodness! Yeah, these reeds. Holy cow! Oh yeah. I can't even tell. Am I still on my horse or am I not? Okay, now there. I don't know. Where I can't. Where are you? Where is anybody? (laughs) Right. See, that's the kind of firework. That's the kind of thing that I that I was sort of expecting to see. But the larger scale landscape uh, changes are pretty cool. Okay, hang on. So let's go into the. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into the racing. Actually, I think I'm going to get off my horse again, having just gotten on it. I don't think we have many people who are going to do badly in this area. Yeah, but. I don't think we have to worry too much about underlevel people here. Um, okay, let's see. I was pointing uh, to the side. You can see some of the bushes that show where the borders actually are. Right. That all used to be just a big old cliff. You couldn't go up it. And now you can actually see into the place where those level 50 half-orcs are that you shouldn't go. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Here's the roost. Yes, it is true that I mean, especially Archit, because it was the beginner's area. But um, the really, I mean, all of this area was so um, funneled. You know, like yeah, you couldn't go anywhere. You were just kind of forced to follow the the rather narrow track of the uh, of the of the quest lines. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's our there's our friends over here. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, our three statues. Oh, yeah, they're definitely helmets now. Yeah, I could see that now. Yep, yep. They got mustaches or frowny faces? Both. <laughs> I've definitely got mustaches. Big old Freddie Mercury mustaches. Yeah. Yep. Do you have uh, do you have your better graphics on now? Oh yeah, I'm on the good computer. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah, so cool. grateful to be on the good computer right now. Awesome. Whoa. Hmm? Bunks. Yeah. Do they always have bunks? Um, I think this sort of backish area is kind of new. Oh, look, it opens out in the back. You can. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can go straight out into fun. the woods? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Into uncertain peril. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can go right down into the wolf den into the Chetwood. Oh, Whoa. yeah, here's Chetwood, yeah. Oh, Wait, into so... the wolf den. That's a nasty surprise. What's that building? It was on a level one, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, right into Chetwood North. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, and there's the bridge in the big uh, hideout over here. Man, I fell into that so many times till I figured out how my moving mechanics worked. Oh, this, right. this guy, This was my first game, so I was not very good at traveling anything in three dimensions. Wow. And you can go behind it. Once again, you can go around the back. So, wow, that really, the Blackwold's Roost and this fortress are really back-to-back with just that little bit of hill in between. I and really had coming, no idea because it was so blocked off. Yeah, and coming at it from this van, because, of course, in the old days, when you had to go all the way around, it took forever to get from one to the other. So you would never even yes. guess that they were this close. 
It felt um, like a million miles. <laughs> and approaching it from this angle, wow. I mean, look at the – it's got a moat. I, didn't know. I mean, there yeah, was a bridge. Yeah, I didn't bridge, know it was a moat. You know, I thought I never... it was just like a ditch, you know? Exactly. It's a ditch, but it goes all the way around. Look at how it's built on that nice little rock there in the middle of the – I mean, this from this angle yeah. here, look at that nice, nicely fortified – Wow. I believe he also uh, did some water updates as well. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I could tell. Like uh, increased or like different amounts of uh, water or uh, like to the water, like the, the actual graphics of the water. Yeah, the actual graphics. He did some improvements Whoa. to how it actually. Yeah, c- come over here where I am, where you can see the light on it. You can really tell the difference. It looks three dimensional, less like a like a Photoshop filter. Oh, right here, look. Look at where I'm looking. You can oh, see the light right. on the water. Yeah, I did from the other angle. I didn't because we didn't get the light. I didn't even see the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that looks great. I want to. Yeah, I want to jump in that. Except the tall reeds make me think of leeches and right. water moccasins. Yeah, JJ, I agree. The the whole concept of the black world center of power does make so much more sense. Um, you know, if those two fortresses, which sort of controlled the opposite sides of this hill, um, though it makes you wonder, right? Well, yeah. Like, were they joined at any point or, or were they opponents? Was like, was this a Rudaran fortress and the one on the other side of the hill? Well, the other one had the, they, they had a vine and they both got the stars on it. Um, not any, seeing any evidence. Any Rudaran symbols versus... on this one? Because that would be kind of uh, cool if they were like. Yeah, it would be cool. Well, they got the evil. Other. They got the evilly evil place over there. We should check that out. Because now we can see it from above. Wait. Oh yeah. Let's go up here. Hang on. Yeah. This little blighted place where the Angmarim sorcerer. Oh was yeah, where out. they where they have the little white factory out back. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That was oh, it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's turning all green and. Eldritch over here. Oh, I should probably not fall off the cliff. Possibly. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, like the centric. Oops. I just. I'm. It just got dark for me. Fell off the cliff. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. It just all of a sudden the light all went away. Did it just get cloudy or something? Yeah. No. 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 It's evil, man. It's evil. Oh, it's the evilness, right? I just stepped into the evilness. Time bandits. Huh. Uh-huh. It's evil. It's quoting Time Bandit. Don't touch it, Mom! It's evil! <laughs> I knew there was a reason I liked Valori. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, so yeah, you can see the central keep of the of the castle here on the rock with the bridges on two sides and the moat around. Uh, the moat looks so great. Oh, you can see the whole layout of this so much more clearly now. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. That is awesome. Okay, hang on a second. So let's um, let continue yeah. in the evil over here. Can uh-huh. we can can we continue to skirt the evil? Yes, yes. Can we? Uh, you can... Oh, there it is over there. Right, yes. I see that. Evil uh-huh. voyeurism right here. Oh, right, because there's the blasted, withered, dead trees. Uh, and which from warriors. Oh, from here you because when you're down in it, you're everything is just shrouded, right? It looks like the whole world is that. Whereas from up here, standing on this wonderful green grass, surrounded mm-hmm. by these beautiful trees and ancient, uh, you know, Arthurian ruins, if they're Arthurian, anyway, 
Arnorian ruins um, and looking down into this one little veil full of darkness and uh, bonfires Light. and blighted trees. Yeah, you can really see like the the way in which this is a, a still small but significant infection in the land, right? That's really neat. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's the white factory, yeah. Not more ruins that way. Yeah, I was looking at the the little Got a ruin bit up of here wall. on the up on the edge a of the wall of here, wall. and just uh, stars and scepters, right? Mm-hmm. Just stars and scepters and vines. Okay, just looking. All right. So, what's over this way? Oh, we can get straight to the Weather Hills. Oh, oh my so goodness. So cool. Wow. No way. But I don't want to skip um, uh, the lumber camp. And I want to go through the rest of the channel yes, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Camp. All right. Oh, yep. There's the Weather Hills. But hang so on. Let's, cool. let's see if we can circle down to the. I just want to. Yeah, I just want to see it. There. <laughs> so Ooh. Fun. Oh. oh, look at that. Oh, the oh. ruins on the hilltop that look all sinister and. Wait, like an like an evil postcard. Whose camp is that? That's an orc camp. Um, let's see. Where are you looking? I'm trying to find the, at the bottom of the hill. I'll go look. Yeah, the camp under uh, the hill there. Yeah, see, these are the uh, that description. I think in the Hobbit, right when they were passing through this area, and. Um, Bilbo describes being able to see old ruins on hilltops that like looked all sinister and stuff. Um, I thought yeah, that this is an orc camp, one of those level fifty-five groups of guys. So okay, right, oh right, mm-hmm. level fifty-five, right where you're supposed to be when you come through the Weather Hills, like on those on those quests up here. Yeah, even as a completionist, I almost never went to the Weather Hills. Me neither. This place demands exploration at some point. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we start getting to the Lone Lands, I think we should give this place a proper visit. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Let's keep going around the edge of the Chetwood, and I want to come in from the other angle now that we can. Because we can! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I feel so mobile. I feel like this must be like what hunters feel all the time, <laughs> you know, being able to get to places. Okay, all right, so there's that ruin straight down below us. Is that the one yeah, up on the, the little one, hill? Yeah, where there's that Yeah, the that one who stole the handkerchief. Right? With that was wandering through. Well, there's the handkerchief dude. It's like apparently we have to take his life over a spotted handkerchief. That's that's right. Shakespearean enough. Yeah, exactly. The Othello reference. Um Yes. Oh wow! Just amazing, kind of just to be riding this ridge, seeing the Weather Hills off to the left and the Chetwood down it's, to the right. Even that by itself is so awesome. I know. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then we. So we must be. Let's see. Where are we? We must be getting close to the doghouse. Midgewater Marshes too over here. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, the dog kennels should be down here. Somewhere not too far. Yeah, probably I'm down here. You want... remembering my Chetwood. Yeah, you want to go take a look? Yeah, let's go down and take a look. Now you can. And now I can. <laughs> Leaving the Weather Hills, so entering did. Chetwood. Yep, yep, yep. 
Okay, Let's we've see. got some. Yeah, I just rode down the hill and met up with you guys right there. There it is. <laughs> There's the brigands now. Is that, that's the, no, that's not the house. That's the ruin we were just looking down. Yeah, yeah that's the ruin with the, sort of the gauntlet of baddies up to strawberry, strawberry handkerchief men. Okay. Or, let's see. Up, oh, and this is where one of the big baddies is sitting around. The supervisor and uh, right. poacher. Okay, ah, here's the doghouse. Okay. Oh. Right. Of course, the doghouse was close to the entrance to Midgewater. Yes. Poor dogs. Getting heartworm next to that. Skunkwood. Yeah, that's his name. Skunkwood. Did they do any updates to, uh, to Midgewater? Not that oh. I'm aware of. Not really. It looks a little. Look these grasses look different. Yeah, these these bushes look different to me. Maybe I just haven't been here in a while. That is quite a possibility. I it, might have, been. it might have been pre frills. I mean, there's more frills than there used to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when the last time I was in Midgewater because I've been avoiding Midgewater because we haven't done it yet in the book. <laughs> so. When we did our Breland tour, I was pointedly omitting Midgewater. Okay, let's go back to the logging camp. Mm-hmm. And we can come back through. Because, Druid's Fire, you said they also updated the old forest, right? Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah, so we've got uh-huh. to see that. So we'll we'll go down to the logging camp and then loop back around through Bree. And, yeah, no, I was just at the old forest on Sunday with the girls of Mythgard, so I ah. should. I'll have a little more... Uh, memory at my aid. I am assuming I remember things. Okay. Let's see. Wow. How's the wolf the wolf dens Ooh, here? Big, right? big rock formation. Very convincing geograph geologically very interesting rocks over here. Yeah. Okay. Am I going the right way? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There it is. That's the yeah, road yeah, there to it the lumber okay. camp. That's what I thought. Right. Sorry, the rocks little, threw me off. Wow, this is much more spidery than before. Look at all these cobwebs. <gasps> Oh, yeah. No, this is proper spidered up. There were always spiders around here, but I don't recall it being... It was always, like, just the one or two or something like that yeah, that would catch you off guard. But they were very dependable were... here. I mean, you could always see them. <laughs> that spot was always... There were always spiders here. But never enough to do your Slayer deed. <laughs> no. No, but yeah, now we're getting... Yeah, uh, lumber camps. Yeah, it's dead ahead. Webs and yep. There's a lumber. Sorry, got briefly distracted by the spidery, the increased spideriness of that area there. <laughs> increased spideriness. I, I was figuring you'd come up with another, like you know, arachnified. Right. Or yes. Like uh, that the amplified arachnitude of the. Uh, <laughs> whoa! Oh. What are we building? Oh, I don't know, but it's going to be huge. Okay, so we got the guys. Bridge! Look at this bridge! Oh, wow! There's a bridge and a river and a waterfall. Wow! Yeah, this looks like a proper lumber mill. Goodness! Wow! Fabulous! Hang on, I gotta go. I gotta go around the waterfall. Go up (laughs) north from the waterfall. You'll wind up at the Black Old Roost. Oh. oh, so this yeah, goes through into Arch. I just entered Archit. There huh? I am. Aha, right. That river that runs down past the Blackwald Roost. And now, so, so interestingly, the map is the same. 
So like the map is still showing the like border of mountains that I couldn't pass through before, but the terrain actually yeah, in front of me is not mm. mountains anymore. It's just open forest that I can now go through. That's cool. Yeah, oh, that is really neat. Okay. So now we get so this is the same so now right, we got the lake by the hunting lodge, and then the river mm-hmm. flows down past the Blackwold Roost. And they've continued it so that it now runs down here over this l- truly lovely waterfall. And the wa- at the waterfall, we enter the Chetwood. That's really cool. And so now we get the river that comes straight down and that uh-huh. very nice wooden, or, or wooden, sorry, stone bridge. And then out into that other lake. What is uh-huh. that lake called anyway? The one with the hideout on the other side of it that we do that instance in. Um, I don't know. So what is this? What is this meant to be? This is huge. Uh, presumably this is going to be the sawmill. Right. By the river. Makes by sense. the river. They might even, they Stands might be to reason. Yeah, yeah. They might be going to put a wheel here to help with uh, the processing of logs. Yeah. A water wheel. Why not? Over here. Oh yeah, they're making some but, serious progress. This is not just a clearing that we've like where we happen to have cut down a bunch of trees and thus made it into a lumber camp. Yeah, no, this is the here are the logs, here are the planed down planks. This looks like the supervisor's house over here. Yep. Old Bowman, yeah. Old Bauman, look how his view has improved. Wow, I'd sit there whittling here too now. He just used to be sitting in a dank corner of this camp before. Yeah, no, he's got something to look at now. Now all of a sudden he's in, like in charge <laughs> here. Like, yeah. yeah. I would certainly draw the conclusion that that guy was the foreman of the camp. I don't even remember uh-huh. saws Whoa, like look, that. Look at that saw. That's a two-handed saw for planing down big logs. Yeah. Or two-person, I should say. Yeah, yeah, they got a, a smaller version over here. That's like a twine. Twine? Big, big spools of twine over Whoa, here. Oh, spools of twine. Look at that. I've never seen those in game. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That is so cool. Even the piles of wood look gore. We don't get just uh-huh. stumps. Yeah. Stumps always make me sad. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, we better move. It's starting to get late, but we we need to we need to we need to keep going because this is awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. well, this is fantastic, and the bridge, and the river, and the waterfall, the connection through into Arch, it just great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go up here. Well, we still have not made any progress on these buildings, huh? It's just like I wonder if ads. I wonder if anything's been added to ads though. And so making any problem, let's go check. Uh, he's been That's trying it. to build that in for, what, 11 years now? <laughs> right. Okay, oh, and here's that lake. I think we were joking that it was a front the whole time. That's why there hasn't been any progress. I see. What is it a front for? Maybe well, well there's always he's always talking about his uh, goods being stolen, and we have to get them for him. Uh-huh, right. I've had to do this many times, so presumably he has many goods. So I think there's some shady dealings going on. I see, right. There's some kind of shady goods that he's dealing in there. 
Okay. So wait, where am I here now? I got. I better. Whoa! Go. What is this? This is a watchtower. This is a proper huh? watchtower. This is a gate. To Coombe. Wow. This is the gate to Coombe. Yeah. And it looks like something that could actually like stop hordes of people coming yeah, through no on the road. There are walls on either side, but yeah, I mean, you know, like it's a start. <laughs> it's yeah, of... but they, you know, it, but it's not on the road. Right. Know? I bet you couldn't get a siege, you know, siege engine with balance axles <laughs> over on rough terrain. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that looks very nice. Oh, it's really nice. All right, so let's see. We're coming down into Stato. Anything big changed in Stato? No, there's actually a change on the border inside Freetown itself, but you can't get to it yet. Okay. Ah. Yet. Mm-hmm. This way into Freetown? Yeah, it's behind this wall uh, that I'm looking at. Ah. To the left of the gate. To the left of the gate. From the outside or the inside? Oh, from the outside. Yeah, this uh, this hedge. Yeah. This is oh. all a new area that you can't get into. Uh-huh. You can kind of look into the mini map, but you can't actually get in there, and right. people are wondering what it's all about. Interesting. Uh-huh. So, but you said they haven't done many changes inside Bree itself, right? No, that's the only one that I'm aware of. Okay. All right. Then what I want to do, though, it'll take just a little bit longer. Instead of going through town, I want to go around town. Good, because there's a better way to get to the Barrow Downs now. Really? Oh, oh, do tell, do tell. Okay. Well, just like we rode down into Archit from inside, uh, you know, from Bree, we can do the okay. same thing to the Barrow Downs now. Oh, I've wanted to get up there for years. I remember oh, I spent yeah. like an entire day trying to get up there. So we can do that through like what the... the so there's the, the, there's the edge of the Barrow Downs there. Right, right across the country, right up the hills. Oh, is that where the where the thieves den is? That where the <laughs> the greenway stops up there? Hmm. Well, it's a little bit to the uh, west of it. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm just checking on the walls and the ruins briefly. Okay. All right. Looks like we haven't changed the Bree wall much, or these. Okay, I see the still ruin those ruins inside and out. Okay, sorry, just checking. It's oh. fine. It's your show, dude. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's true. Um, okay, so let's head. And now, is there anything down to the south, down the Greenway? I'm told there's a, a new camp to find, but I or an old camp. I don't know exactly where it is, though. Okay, let's see if we can, since we're over here on this side. Now, as I recall, we could not go through very far, just through the hills this way. Uh-huh. It's like the green way was blocked, and then our way was totally, we, you know, right. too bad. You can't go any further. You have to go around. Right, because here's the green way here. And there's that's the fortress in the south. That's the uh, the Cartilingian oh, fortress the down in the yes, the, down in the south, the Barrow Downs. Boy, doesn't oh, that so hill can we get now up there look now? gentle and inviting now? Yes, it, it sure is. does look you gentle and inviting. It sure does. <gasps> okay, but hang on a second. That's when I wanted to go up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, is there anything new in here? Not in the uh, the guard area on the Greenway. That's what I'm aware of. Okay. 
All right. So there's nothing super exciting like we can get through that south gate now. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. All right. So let's 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 see. So we can just we can just up and ride straight into the southern Barrow Downs. Oh man. Hey, there's a barrow, like right here. Well, yeah, that's if you want to do it the easy way. And whites. Did you? Whoa, you can get into this. What happened? Where am I? Whoa. I just, here I am. Oh, that's been there forever, though. Huh? That's that's not one of the ways. Oh. I never found that way. You can get in. You just, there's like a portal there. I didn't even know about that. Hmm. Well, I spent very little time in the south of Bree. I told you I spent an entire day trying to do this. So. Okay, hang on. So let me go back out again. Well, no, I'd never that yeah. even that I'd never seen before. Um, I'm but that's not just sure what way oblivious. I'm supposed to do this. Up okay, here. sorry. So hang on. So where do we go? We can't I'm climb a little bit to the north. A little bit to the a little bit that's south. Little okay, a little bit to the north. And then hang a left. Right. I'm seeing you there. Okay. I think you might have put in a couple of. Uh... Oh, we can't climb over. You be able to. Huh. Oh my god. There goodness. we go. Found it. This is way more tantalizing than it was before. Okay, well, a little further north. I have no idea where anybody is now. <laughs> okay, we're continuing to go and then turn left. There we are. Yeah, it certainly would have taken you less than a day to find this. Oh, hang on. Oh. Was Didn't... I supposed to go through the barrow door? I'm no. so confused. No. Okay. Go 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 north from there. Go with the cliff face along your left and there's a place okay, where you I can gotcha. cross. All uh, right. Yeah. Trusting to fate here. Oh, here it is. Though, of course, as soon as you get to the top of the hill and look back towards Bree, you can't see it. Oh. Because you're in, like, foggy... Like, the fog falls in the... Oh, here we go! Oh, yeah! Great view of Bree and Bree Hill from the... From the well, southwest, but... <laughs> that's a lovely picture right there. <laughs> yeah, once you cross the zone boundary, you're back in... Uh... Address, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So from just to get to oh, the address, I see where everybody went. The cliff, yeah, I see where everybody went now. Um, still can't get up there. <laughs> yeah, it's not as awesome down. as the time one of the devs stacked some picnic tables up from the west gate of Bree and then threw us into the barrow down. But that was on board. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't see the ground below as it was stacked so high. <gasps> yes, I did that thing. <laughs> you did it. <gasps> <laughs> And it's I have dreamed so. of being up here. <laughs> oh, so many cool vantage points now that we didn't oh, have before. Oh, top of the world, Ma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Though it's interesting, you know, one, one interesting thing from here looking out, Bree Hill looks, does not look like anything like the largest hill around. I mean, that hill off to the, like, due north of our current position looks much taller than Bree Hill. It's up in the what it must be up in the northern Bree fields. 
Mm. Or maybe in the Southern Bree. I don't know which one it is, but there's a hill that like looks like a higher altitude than Bree Hill. And even the hill to the south here, where the fortress is, looks like it's a higher hill than Bree Hill. Um, but anyway, still not going to complain. This is a beautiful landscape. I love looking at Bree from this vantage point, from this distance. You can't quite make out the pony. I can see where it is. You can <laughs> see the pony from here. Yeah. Just a bit. You might need to zoom out a little bit, or unless you're already zoomed out. Oh, I am zoomed out. I'm trying to... Oh, oh I just crossed the boundary again. Now it's all foggy. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so let's go through the Barrow Downs into the old forest now. Yay! Time for spooks. All right, so where do we come... Where are we? Oh, wow, the Barrow Downs looked amazing until the fog settled in. Yeah. Oh, yes, I see it. Ah, uh. actually, I never, I never got the non-foggy barrow downs. Maybe I was just looking in the wrong direction. Um, no, you got the foggy one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so where are we? We're up here. Oh, we're right at the border. Oh, so we could just ride along the ridge into the northern barrow downs. Oh sure. Yeah, oh yeah, there it is. Right, this is the turning, the the hairpin turn here. <laughs> Okay, right. Has there oh, been much man. changed in the Barrow Downs itself? <gasps> I'm already seeing some really cool trees, guys. I'll meet you there. <laughs> Where oh, are you, my down, goodness. In the, down in the South Barrow Downs? I, I'm, no, I'm down. You, we said we were looking at Old Forest, so... Oh, oh! You're going to the old forest. I see. Oh, I thought that's where we were headed. Yeah, we are. Maybe not. We are. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'm just so I'll meet you it. where the Barrow Downs meets the old forest. Okay. All right. Okay, so here's the spire. Is it just me, or is it brighter here? I mean, I know it's daytime now, but. Did it used to be this bright even during the day? Seems brighter. But it's again, a little brighter. Maybe that's just. I think it depends on the weather conditions. Yeah, it probably does. Maybe this is just me not having been to the Barrow Downs very frequently. Well, anymore. remember the Barrow Downs can be quite pleasant and sunny at that's some right. time. That's right. Enough to deceive you into having a heavy lunch and a small nap. And a nap. <laughs> the fateful nap. Okay. Whoa. Whoa, these trees are already looking. I, oh, holy cow. Oh, I know. my goodness. Look at the lichen. Oh, the beards of lichen hanging from the This is awesome. This is. Holy cow. This is. This room yeah. looks like the Everglades. It's brilliant. Oh, that's. That is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so much more old foresty. Yeah, oh, wow. it looks like old growth. It looks yeah. like. The tree maps on here are fantastic. Okay. I, I really, it does feel more claustrophobic. These limbs in your way just really feel like they are trying to stop you. Oh, this is so cool and I'm going to get so lost. Oh wow! Oh, no, the, the mist. Ah, so good. 
The mist. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here's the so, path. So again, the map is the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but these are not just okay. And here's the house of Tom Bombadil. Is uh, Bombadil's house any different? And you said it was mostly just landscape, not buildings, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, if they change it, he'd just change it back on them anyway. Right, exactly. Why yeah, bother? pretty much. Okay. Should we check out Old Man Willow or? Yeah, totally. Let's do that. Down here. Ooh, it's much more murky and. Oh. Even that waterfall looks different. Look how much more complicated yeah, the waterfall is. It, it's not yeah, just a single I mean, sheet of water coming down anymore. No, that is a waterfall. Remember, now that the bingo te- quest to have to stand underneath that, I'm just going to say, uh, no, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to do that bingo. Much more intimidating. That looks like a concussion. Well, let's see. Well, it doesn't look like his uh, character map is any different. I think he's much the same as he always was. Such are the... The water is different, though. Yeah, the water is... Ooh, it's all mirrory. Did he always have this huge opening over here? Uh, Yeah, that's how he lures you in and then snaps you up. Maybe I just never was so tempted to... I don't remember seeing that before. I don't... Yeah. Oh. Man, I was just down here yesterday, not uh, Sunday, and you know what? I spend so much time running away from this thing before the thing knocks me out. Yeah. I guess that's not so much the case anymore. Yeah, I think that opening is new. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, the gaping maw, and I like the fact that he's not totally anthropomorphic. Right? Like, you don't mm-hmm. see, like, eyes and a nose or anything around that. I mean, there's, a like, big mustache. a yeah. sort of suggestion of features, you know? I mean, it's... But it does not just look like a human face imposed upon a tree. Yeah. That looks like a gaping maw, but it's it's even more creepy for being, like, strange and angled strangely. That's mm-hmm. really cool. You can mm-hmm. imagine much more than a hobbit uh, fitting into that. <laughs> and the lily pads are looking nice. The water yeah. looks so smooth and clear. Oh, look at the here with the willow leaves on top. Mm-hmm. Oh, and look at all the ripples that go out. I think I must have my water effects turned off for the sake of <laughs> it. Uh, does it does make things you know less complicated? But well, I think for the sake yeah, of slowing things down for the stream. I think I must have turned off my rip my water effects. Oh. I love all these other willow trees here too. Man, I'm gonna have to like learn my way around again. Let's yep. go well, Let's go. There's be- the burned out cabbage. Cottage. Cabbage. So they probably cabbage. Cabbage. burnt out too. cabbage. Um, I, I want to see the spider place. Oh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I'm not a reliable guard for, guide for that one. I'm always the one who thinks they have the right way, and then we have to turn around. But. Yeah, 
I remember just ending a stream down here and being like, "Okay, so that's it for today. Thanks, everybody. I'm going. I'm going and then to <laughs> teleport back to that. town as soon as we get off screen." Um, yeah, I love the mist. Okay, I, see I always the... like that place where the bears are bathing. That was my favorite. Right. So the trees haven't the. Uh, the mob trees oh, haven't changed. You can see bits of light coming through the branches in the distance. It's really crazy. Wow. And the the undergrowth is so much thicker. The roots and things are almost invisible. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I'm under attack right now, and I literally don't know from where. I don't know where I am. I think I'm in... It says Dark Paw Vale. I'm probably in the wrong place. Yeah, you have to go a little bit north of that and then around. Yeah, yeah in, that's the yeah, one. We're, we're in the I make the same mistake every time. <laughs> Herbie spiders. We don't oh, have to yes, go, I see the spiders. We don't have to go into, like, fully into the spider. I don't have to go find the... The matriarch. spider, yeah. But I just want to kind of... I just want to see the spider area. There's the weeping water I just got to. Uh, oh, you can see tons of spider webs here already. I don't even remember this. I think we lost Corey. Yeah. I've got a we're in Willow Glade right now. Oh, I was just in Willow Glade. Glade. I'm, I'm south of there in the weeping water now. Oh, okay. Weeping waters. Ooh. Okay, you're to the east of us. Uh, that seems possible. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. This is, we have sent out a search and rescue party to find you. I'm not exactly lost. Because I'm just wandering around, so... No, it's, it's we're lost because <laughs> we're not on your screen. It's okay, I found a path, so it will almost certainly take me just where I want to go. Uh... That's always been my experience in the old forest. Yes, quite. Oh, man, and it's like a solid wall of spider webs over there. <laughs> Which is a wonderful explanation for why you can't get through instead of just being like a generic wall of trees, which... I see you. Oh. Uh, I am. Yeah, I'm on the path. It's really hard to describe where you are in the old forest. I saw you in a, in a hole in the wall. Ah, okay. Found you. Uh, that's right. And this path here is taking me down into... Spiders. Well, I gotta say, a lot more of this is connected than it used to be because I was never able to jump through these little hedges. That yeah, I, I didn't. I think that was connected. a dead end before too. I was. I think I've been relying on that a bit too much. Wait a minute! I'm in the Southern Barrow Downs now. How What's... on earth did I get up there? It's you just connected. Cut through into the Barrow Downs. Yeah, I was going no way. further east. I was going east hoping to find you, and now I'm in the southern Barrow Downs right next no to... No way. So you can just climb up here. I still haven't found the spiders, by the way. Crazy. 
Hang on. Before I go looking for the Barrow Downs, I want to find the bloody spiders. <laughs> I never used I to have... I just found a way to the Barrow Downs as well. Yeah. I see coffee! Oh, hey! Whoa! Oh, dear. Fell down a cliff. Found <laughs> the spiders! Okay! <laughs> found the spiders. No problem. Limping away from the spiders. Limping amongst the spiders, really. Okay, yes, I see other people found the same cliff that I did. All right, yeah, that's good. Uh, I never... I have to think I couldn't have approached that. I, I, I think that that must be new because I would certainly have fallen over that cliff before if it had been <laughs> possible to do so. I can't help but feel. I found the cliff, too. Yes. Well, yes, Okay, now quite. I'm... All right, so I'm seeing... Oh, Weaver's area. Den. You're in Weaver's Den? I'm in Weaver's Den. Yes. Yes. I'm in Weaver's Den. And so, in fact, I, I'm... Our, our, oh, and there are the spiders dropping down. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep, we found you. There you are. Okay. Now, let's see. All right. Now, can we get out from here? Uh, what happens you if can we go just back go- the way I found... Okay, let's do... But hang on a second. I want to see... Oh, here's Old okay, Oak's Grave. Okay. Can we go straight old through? Old Oak's Grave. Uh, I think look. that's a straight wall, but... This, this looks like No, it's wall. not. I'm, I'm seeing something here in the back. Oh. Oh, yeah, on the side here. Wait, where? Is that light or is that... Oh, it's a... It's a cocoon. See? Hang on. Wait. Yeah. Wait, the there's back a path. Yeah. There's a path. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm into. Look, if you look at the mini map, I'm in the solid trees. Oh, crazy. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, Southern Barrow Downs. Yeah, we have a giant, angry, like uh, tr- oh. walking tree behind us. Right. By the way, he can come with us into the Southern Barrow Downs. We will lead him. When to play, boy? When to play, fetch, boy? Uh, I don't think he'll fetch a stick, though. Oh, wow. Oh, I just went back into the old forest and the Barrow Downs. We're right on the border. We're yep. zigzagging, but you can still hang a, hang in east. Yeah. Oh, hang yep. in east. Oh, yeah. And this is where I was. Yep. Right. Oh, there we are. We're on the other map. Yeah. Wait, where am I? I don't see. Hang Look on. Look at the southern Barrow Downs. When did that map change? Oh, man. Oh, this must be where the other wa- ang- really angry walking trees are. Oh, right. Way down in the extreme south of the yeah. Southern Barrow Downs. Yeah. Oh, f- of course. Right. Where I like, oh, man, I spent so long down here hunting like bears and, and the trees and and being frustrated that I couldn't get through and wondering where it went. And the answer is Weaver's Den. Yes. Yes. That's so cool. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, it's the dreadful barrow maples. Yeah, absolutely. Do they always have these bees nests? Uh, yeah, they look like they're rotten and full of wasps or something. I think they actually start buzzing full of wasps when yeah. you do that. Come to think of it, isn't there some kind of quest or something related to the vague memories of doing things to the trees around here? Anyway... Wow, that is so neat. So now down here, when you come down to the the forest in the extreme south, and I did, I I spent, I didn't spend much as much time trying to climb up into the Barrow Downs from the Greenway as you did, but <laughs> yeah, 
I spent a lot of time trying to find my way through into the old forest from here because this was so obviously the edge, you know, of the old forest. Uh, uh-huh. And that we can now come straight through there. That is so cool. Yay! Oh, I love the openness of this before. It's nothing like ha- nothing like having your curiosity properly sated, you know. Yeah. So just it's really rewarding. I'm so glad that I stick with this game and that I get to see what else <laughs> they do to it. Okay. Well, that leads to a question, which is, oh <laughs> man, it's so late. Um, <laughs> do you know? So, did they do anything to Buckland and the Shire? Or is it mostly just here in Breland and Old Forest and Barrow Downs? I don't think they did any updates in the Shire itself. Okay. Well, Buckland's Breland, but... Wait, DeepMinds look... says Shire did too. So I'm not sure what DeepMinds is referring to in Twitch chat. Mm. Oh, right. Um, oh, Yeah. Shire got updates too? Well, we might have to save that for another week because it is late. As much fun as I am having here, and this is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, this has not been a very lore-intensive exploration, but it's been really <laughs> neat uh, to see. I mean, I'd so it so clarifies my kind of mental picture of the terrain here uh-huh. and the whole landscape. Just to be able to connect the dots like this is so cool. Um, I know. <laughs> well, maybe if we, if we, if there's enough uh, in the Shire to look at, maybe we can do that next time, whether that's next uh-huh. week, hopefully, or if not next week, then the week after the week after, of course, is the week right before uh, leading up to Mythmoot. but I will still be here on Tuesday night. So, um, uh, yeah, cool. Um, uh, so, Excellent. Yeah, great. Um, I will... Um, oh, let's see. Uh, Deep Minds is saying up at Scary where you can where you go up to Everswim. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, cool. I definitely <laughs> want to run around up there, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So we'll look at that next time. Um, as I hope to be here next week. If not here, I will be here the week after that. So thanks very much, everybody. Um, And uh, I will see you guys again soon. Thanks for joining me. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for joining me on this epic exploration of The Lord of the Rings and of Standing Stone's video adaptation of Tolkien's story. If you are having even half the fun I'm having on this journey, I hope you will consider supporting the project by donating at signumuniversity.org slash fund.